Welcome back to another episode of the Not Funny Guys Present Off the Reels. This is episode 52 of the one and only the genuine bonafide Not Funny Guys podcast, the internet's number one podcast on recommending libraries. Remember, if it doesn't say Not Funny Guys, then it's not us. We are the Not Funny Guys. I'm Casey. I'm apparently too forgiving, Franklin. I'm joined by Dr. John. What the hell did I just watch Evans? And Eric shades are cool line barger gentlemen say hello 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 i i I feel like library loving line barger would be a a better way especially following that other intro i appreciate the shout out we also don't try to just defund them so (laughs) hey i think we're all in that boat we're we're in a world of being fought uh everyone's defunding our fearless our fearless intro man i'm good um I need some coffee. Yeah, uh, I not... don't think you do. <laughs> <laughs> Folks, we record this late. <laughs> Just so you know where he's at. <laughs> it is 9, 10 p.m. I bring the energy every time. These guys bring no energy. <laughs> we bring the depression. <laughs> <laughs> and anxiety. You don't need to watch the news for depression. You can just listen to us. Just don't let this oh, become a political God. podcast. We'll keep your spirits high. Yeah, tune into the other podcast for politics. That's right. That's right. Uh no, I enjoy writing the intros. They make me happy. They make me smile. Um, so you know, I'm having a good day. Um, tomorrow at work is um, how do they phrase it? It's like enhance yourself day or something like that. It's all about day like off. doing. No, well, I mean, essentially, kind of what you could turn it into it. It's supposed to be you're you're supposed to like read a book or do something <laughs> to. Um, enhance yourself as an employee and make yourself better. Um, we have those. We have a we have wellness days. Well, thank you. That's what it is. That's what they call it. Yeah. It's wellness day. It's but like it's- once a quarter, and it's basically like we don't have a lot of other holidays. I'm just going to say that those two things seem to exist somehow. Like we get a wellness day where it's it's technically a work day, but like you're right. supposed to deprioritize work. Somehow. Exactly. It's very <laughs> weird. Like I don't understand it. Um, this is only the second one we've had. We now will have them quarterly, but this is the second one. Third or fourth. Yeah. Wow. We've been, like we've been, It's a quarterly thing now. Yeah. I think we did two in 22 and that was like our pilot. Nah. Eric's just worried yeah, that it won't. They wish he would have saved it for 420, right? Fuck, man. I'm debating if I take the day. I'm like, oh, do I, just, <laughs> I, I need a mental health day. I need a mental health day as Twitter gets rid of all the blue checks. Look, I need to. I need to play. I need to play Fortnite for a good four hours. I've got a few baseball games to catch up on. It's gonna hey. be. It's gonna be a busy day for that. I think that's gonna be a good wellness day for me. I think so. I think so. <laughs> Uh, anyway, did anyone do anything fun? I know uh, Mr. Evans, Dr. Evans, um, was a little bit doing a little bit of travel. Um, yeah, with San Antonio. Not, yeah, he, he came out alive. No, it, was, it wasn't it, bad, actually. The weather was nice. I got to be all in the downtown, in the little river walk area. So it was all nice. I went for a couple of good walks, had a lot of good food, uh, made some fun connections. No, no, no. <laughs> oh, not in that good. part of Texas, like, at least not in a metropolitan area. You got to go outside those. I didn't go to Waco or anything. Sorry, Waco. Were you visiting family? No, I was there for a conference, man. PCA, ACA, Pop Culture Conference. Where you plugged the hell out of our show, I assume. (laughs) I did, and I got to watch our movie as a screening for the 25th anniversary of the the movie coming out. 
So was it a crowded screening? Was it a was it no? There's only about seven or eight of us, and we totally did Mystery Science Theater <laughs> 2000 throughout the whole thing. It was fun to be in a room with other people watching it for once. So I nice. imagine Stephen Dorff was a lot of uh, ammunition. He was, but he also was. Wesley Snipes really did help yeah, he a lot. Help yeah. <laughs> All right, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna sorry, totally Casey. get to I'm sorry, Casey. it. No, it's okay. It's all right. Uh, this is what we're all here for. This is what we're all here for. I do want to let everyone know that this is going to be a jam packed episode, and I will do our best. I will do my best to get us through it in a timely manner. But you are in for a ride, my friends. A lot of shit happened <laughs> since we recorded last. A lot of shit. <laughs> so, a lot of stuff's coming out. Can, can I just can I just give a, a foreshadow warning in general? Like if they yeah. can't handle this packed episode because it's going to be packed. I get it. Yeah. Like we, in like three or four weeks when we actually hit the MCU, it's gonna it's gonna be a crazy. I don't know what's going to happen with our episodes then. <laughs> I know. Well, this time it's it's the news. Like news okay. just exploded. Yeah, right. So so um, here's a request out there, Pop World. Don't have any news for like yeah. about four weeks for about 20, 30 <laughs> no weeks. Of, right, straight. No notes. No, no, no news. news whatsoever. Because <laughs> I'm just going to tell you, there are 31 <laughs> items on the news. Like this oh, my time. God. All right. All right. I'll so, stop talking. Speaking <laughs> of 31 items on the news, let's get to some Us Geekly and hit this news. All right. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go like rapid fire um, and then we will discuss after little segments of them. So here we go. Rapid fire. Let's do the not um, HBO news first. Let's start with, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, they have announced the cast for DC's Creature Commandos. And our cast is going to be Frank Grillo. Um, he was in Crossbones and Civil War and in um, Winter Soldier. Um, he will be Rick Flagg Sr. Marie, uh, Maria Barkalova. She's playing Cosmo in the New Guardians movie. She's in um, that movie. Show? Yes, thank you. Um, she'll be playing Princess Iana Rostovic. I'm not sure. That's got to be animated right there. or live? Yeah, it is animated, but they will. James Gunn has said if you were doing a voice animated, you you best be prepared to do a live action. Oh shit! Um, so we're going to be getting a little bit of all of that. Um, we've got Indra Varma as the bride. Okay, so this must be uh, Maria right here. Then that's the bride. Um, Zoe Chow as Nina Omaskuski. I don't know these characters, so I'm. Just... Mm gonna butcher the names alan tudyk as dr phosphorus well that's dr phosphorus right there let me smell um david harbour as eric frankenstein that's a really good choice nice yep sean gunn as gi robot (laughs) and i assume he'll also be playing weasel since weasel's in the shot um and steve ag um reprising his role as john economos which i don't i don't know who that is um or where that's from but Creature Commandos, um, I think it's a cool cast. I'm excited. We're going to see how this goes. Um, That is the first news item. The second news item, this happened after, like right after our last episode, Um, like within minutes probably. Um, I saw the rumors starting to pop up, um, but then around, you know, a couple hours, hours, not minutes, but anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, WWE Mm. is merging with UFC. That's right. Um, That was like the next day. Yeah, like the rumors had started as we were recording last, and then all of a sudden it broke. Um, Vince McMahon basically got put back in charge of everything, so that's, wow. you know, bleh. But, you know, 
John, do you have any words on that? I, you might be the only one who might have words. Well, I'm going to say story. I'm in the process of actually listening to an audio book about Vince McMahon's history and the WWE and all that fun stuff. It's a great title. It's called Ringmaster, Vince McMahon and the Unmaking of America. It's basically about how he kind of took the industry, ruined it, and then helped ruin our culture along the way. So it'll probably be done. I'll be done with it probably by next week. So it'll probably be my pitch, please, next week. Uh, but so nice. far, I've gotten to the part where they just finally got around to telling everybody in the WWE or at that time, WWF, that they had to go undergo drug testing, um, which I don't oh, think wow. they do okay, anymore. I know roughly where you are. I don't yeah, think well, do uh, this is like around almost 1990. And uh, apparently mm-hmm. they threw one big last party where Vince McMahon got, shall we say, shit-faced drunk and let everybody do moves on him, like finishing moves. And then they went back to Rick Flair. No, 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 no. And then they went back to Rick Flair. They couldn't go anywhere. The party got broken up at the strip club. Then they got asked, and the and and they got asked to go somewhere else. And so they went to the hotel um, suite that Rick Flair had, and Rick Flair had just come over. He wasn't there, but they got access to the room, and Bret Hart sent Owen Hart back to his hotel to get a big bag of Mexican weed. And the like... party continued, and they began pissing all over Ric Flair's bed. I have not finished that story yet, so I don't know how it ends. I wonder <laughs> well, if Ric Flair will be mad. I look forward <laughs> to finding out that story. Um, well, um, I have a feeling this WWE... WWE UFC merger is going to go about as well as we all expect. Yeah. So what happens to the douchebag UFC guy? Isn't he like a he's still, Dana White? He's he's still there. He's he's ultimately in charge. Vince will be in charge of the WWE. The rest they're just so, they are just the ultimate pro MAGA sporting events. Yeah. So yeah. essentially, UFC bought WWE. Yes, but that's being it's being a, it's a merger. But yes. Okay. Yeah. Controlling shares. Yeah. 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 All right. Next story. Um, this is a quick one. Deadpool three. Um, we know it started filming. Um, we knew it was all going well. Um, but they have confirmed that Colossus is coming back, and Vanessa are coming back. So those questions people had. So I'm excited. Yeah. It's all ahead on that one. All right. Some trailers. Um, some trailer breakdowns. The Marvels trailer. What did you guys think? I know you watched. Like it. fun. Loved it. Loved it. Well, so they're letting bad. Brie Larson just be funny and goofy and less serious, more like she was in the first film, yeah. and less of the serious character she had to become through like Endgame and everything. Yeah, and I'm like, yeah, let her be, let her be. And then I go, I'm, I'm all for seeing Amani Vellani as Miss Ka- as Kamala Khan. I want to see more. She's awesome, she's uh, hilarious. Yeah. I want Kamala and everything. I want, and her I love Rambo. I love Maria. Yes, um, all of it looks good. I am on Sorry, Monica. board. Maria is the mom. Sorry. Uh, yeah. Um, I am on board. I like that the villain is going to be Kree again. They have the they basically have Ronan's hammer, even though it's it's not, but it looks like Ronan's hammer. And if you actually notice in the shot, she's wearing gauntlets that look just like. Um, she appears to have another bangle. Yeah, they, so they're tying it all the, in. The second, maybe. Yeah. So I am. Yeah, but what about ex- Monica Rambo? I mean, is it two bangles or three? No, there were supposed to be two. That was the that was the yeah, line that two. was delivered in, in Miss Marvel. They had yeah. one, and Kamala Khan has it. Monica Rambo's powers are all derived from what happened to her exposure to Wanda's infinity powers, and now she can bend light. 
Yeah, and what some light variations. And but something's happening that's about... causing them to whenever I think it's when Kamala does it. I don't think it's when all of them do it. I think when Kamala uses her power, she switches places with one of the other two. She can't mm. control it. And that's where there's they're okay. swapping places. And that's why we see her sw- swapping with Monica at times. Yeah. And there's like a, the, at the end of the trailer, there's like a fight scene where you see Kamala like throw a punch mm-hmm. or use her power. And then she swaps with um, Monica and then uses her power. And then you see it, the camera pans and then there's Brie using hers. Um, I bet you anything we're going to see Shang-Chi in this trailer. Or sorry, in this movie. Really? Well, yeah, because... there's some interconnection. There's still things they haven't resolved. Well, remember at the end of his movie, we have Captain Marvel talking about the um, his bracelets. Yeah. So I I fully expect Shang Chi to be in this. Did I miss um, that cutscene? Is was that like an after credit cutscene? Yeah, it's an after credit yes. cutscene. I think I missed that. I don't I don't remember that. <laughs> All right. Well, you should go back and I'm uh, rewatch your turn. At some point, in time, <laughs> I mean, he walks out when the credits Eternals, start rolling. I'm sorry, not Eternals. I'm sorry, not Eternals. I'm sorry, Shang Chi. You're gonna have to watch Shang Chi again. Oh, I, I, I look forward to that actually. So. so Eric's the one who walks out of the theater when the credits start. He's like, "Oops." So I always here, wondered who that was. Issue. No, no. A, I've I've learned my lesson. I may have well watched it and just been too high to realize. That's B, <laughs> <laughs> B on Disney Plus, it wants to do like every streaming service. Like, hey, now watch watch this. We recommend you. You liked Shang Chi. You'll probably like Frozen. You're like fuck this. Like, I don't want to watch these things, right? And so, like, I I say, just let me watch the credits. Give the people who did the work on the movie their due, right? Yeah move the credits if i want to go back i can go back to the menu that's fine enough right yep. but like i feel like especially for marvel movies disney plus needs to take that note and mm-hmm. be like we need to like recognize that there's cutscenes guaranteed at this yep. point and so that that may be the other reason if it wasn't my uh my inebriation oh that's right because you didn't watch it in the theater you watched it on disney plus that's a i bet you of, anything a lot that's of what's happened movie- a lot of newer movies I'm watching yeah. on Disney Plus. Do you know what you get to watch on Disney Plus next Tuesday? Ant-Man? Damn right. Yeah! I didn't realize it was that actually, quick. Actually, I thought it would, I, I thought I, it'd be like another month although, Actually, you may not actually get oh, to. Oh, don't lie to me. It's, like this it, well, me. it's on iTunes for sure next Tuesday. Okay, okay. I think I read that they might hold it yeah, on Disney it, Plus it's, it's right like away. Days. It's like 90 days from... Well, they've been doing, if it goes on Disney Plus, it goes on iTunes at the same day. So there's a. I might have read that they might be switching it this time. I uh, thought they were doing iTunes for rental and buy first, and then no, it was it was later. It'd be... Black Panther dr- day and date dropped. Um, mm-hmm. Same with all the others before that. Um, well, I like that trailer. Um, what did you think of the Electric Mayhem trailer, Eric? I love it. I'm a huge Muppets fan. Uh, I know. I like a, a piece of my childhood that is ingrained in me is the Muppet. Um, the Muppet Show, the 3D show at uh, MGM Studios. Well, now Disney Studios, I guess, or whatever it's called um, in Disney World, because I love that so much as a kid. I love the movies. I love when they came back from Jason Siegel doing his reboot. Um, I think it's just called Muppets or the Muppets. Yeah, the Muppets. Um, it it obviously went all off the rails. I didn't love the TV show that they tried to bring back, where it was kind of like The Office. Uh, to me, this coming mayhem looks like a road trip movie, which is exactly what the Muppets needs to be. Uh, they need to be a point A to point B movie um, with obstacles in between. And that's when they work the best. Uh, my favorite movie, perhaps of all time, is Muppet Christmas Carol. 
uh, when they're goofy and fun and just part of the world and not looked at as anything but just part of the world, uh, that's when they work the best. The moments we try to over goof them or try to consider them different. Um, and yeah, I think Kermit and Miss Piggy need to get back together. I don't know if that's that'll be part of this or not. Or if I was happened. with you until you got to that final part, but next time oh, really? Eric revisits his childhood. <laughs> I'm weeping. <laughs> Speaking of Eric's childhood, Barbie trailer. What do we think? <laughs> oh, I think I'd have been a better childhood. No, I, I'm going to stick <laughs> um, with the line I that them. I think I'm going to stick with the line that this is a movie that Quentin Tarantino should have made. <laughs> it would have been. A, what? Where's the revenge in it? That's that's my question. Where's we don't we don't know what happens when <laughs> Will Ferrell gets involved. It would have been much darker between the two kids. That's that's what I think would have happened with the. Uh, it would have been darker than uh, the beach off scene where they're beaching each other it, off. It would have been a, a, a beach off with like inwards dropped for no reason because it's, it's that's very true. Enough. That's very true. It actually would have been. That's actually uh, exactly and like, it just would have been way more offensive for no reason. Um, <laughs> and then blood would have splattered somewhere and. Awesome music would have played. <laughs> yeah, but cut the black and white. Yeah, 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 yeah. But the trailer looks good. Yeah, yeah. Are we all on board? Are we all going to see this one? Oh, I, I had no intention when I heard they were making. It, I was like, oh, cheesy, crazy. But yeah, I'm, I'm totally in now. I, I definitely want to. Now I'll wait till this comes out on some streaming service before I watch this. So, I'm, oh, I'll, I'll see it on streaming. I'm not going to movie theaters. Okay. Oh, I'll go see the movie theater. <laughs> um, next movie, I'm next movie I plan on going seeing actually is Guardians Volume Three. So. I was saying that too, but that won't be the next thing I see. Um, but speaking of blood everywhere, Mia Goth has joined the cast of Blade. Makes me very happy. Mm-hmm. Mia Goth, um, the star of Pearl, um, soon to be star of Maxine. She was one of the stars of um, X. Um, really good. I'm excited to see her in there. And I just want to throw that in there because I like Blade. Timely news. Timely news. Yeah, that broke like two hours ago, maybe. So that was that. So I'm going to give you guys a chance. Do you want happy news or weird news? Weird. (laughs) Weird it is. All right, here we go. Strap yourselves in. HBO today announced that the HBO Discovery merger has finally decided on their new name. They're going to rebrand. We've got our HBO Max. We've got our Discovery Plus. We're going to Max. That's right. We're just going to call it Max because that's our Zaslov. Max will be going, uh, will be starting on May 23rd. Um, there will be three tiers for Max. There will be the add on uh, the, the ad tier, um, which will be $9.99. No ads for $15.99. So that's flat on that one. Um, and then the 4K, no ads, four devices at a time with 100 downloads. Um, will be nineteen ninety nine a month on HBO Max. You will be, or, sorry, on Max. You will be able to watch all your HBO content, and you'll be able to watch your Discovery Plus content. They're still keeping Discovery Plus because Zaslov. Mm. Um, his thought is maybe those court conscious um, people will want to just watch Discovery. So I don't know who those people are. Other things that he announced, other than the dumb name of Max. I just still can't get over Max. I'm um, sorry. Got... It sounds like we're trying to do Mountain Dew, like extreme. Yeah, <laughs> that's all I can think about. I look <laughs> forward to the Cinemax and Skinemax and all the other. <laughs> yes. To come. 
I want you to keep this Max, this dumb idea of Max in your head for when I get to a story in just a moment. Um, as part of this announcement, we got to see the Penguin trailer, which will be coming out in 2024. Um, quick thoughts. Did you like the trailer? Did it look interesting? I thought it looked interesting. It, it looks interesting, but it it doesn't look like it's going to be anything. It's like, like Sopranos, it, but Batman. It looks like it's just enrobed in its own world. Yeah. It's just going to be dark and dark, and then like some dark. shit's going to happen, and they're going to handle it darkly. You know, like yep. it's just going to be dark. Yep, that sounds about what I think too. They should have just let the Batwoman when we come out. And every episode could have had a third of it cut out. Yes. <laughs> and other another Max news, they announced a Conjuring TV series, but oh. nothing about what that's going to be about. But a Conjuring TV series, which I'm for, I like the Conjuring, so that one I'm all in. A Big Bang Theory spin-off series. But they didn't give any details, so I don't know who Wait, was... on Max? Yes, on Max. Not on Paramount Plus? Not on Paramount Plus. It's on Max. And we don't... Other than we know... They're trying Chuck to get Gloria's... my parents to subscribe. This is what this all is. They are. Um, they are bringing Chuck Laurie back to write the series. Huh. So I just, just don't... I don't know where... You, you already have a spinoff. You have Young Sheldon. Like, where are you going to go? Like, I just don't get it. Young um, Penny. Well, it's the, I'm pretty sure because they show the Big Bang gang in the ad. It's an old shot, but I assume it's got to be a, like one of their lives. You know, actually, who I'll watch if it's all about Stuart. If it's about the comic guy Stuart and his awkward girlfriend from Spider Man 2, I'm all in. <laughs> but other than that, I don't want to watch it. But you know what, John will be watching? The Game of Thrones prequel series that was just announced. A Knight of the Seven Kingdoms, the Hedge Knight. Wait, yeah, dunk, 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 dunk. What? What is this? The dunk in the tall, baby. I don't know, but John does. That that means nothing to me, dude. There's graphic novels (laughs) and comic books that they've made around these novellas. So there's all back in your pants. Put it back in your pants. Hey, (laughs) yeah, they've made already made stuff about this. So there's already stuff out there. Well, I'm glad you're excited for that prequel. You know what prequel I'm excited for? The It prequel, Welcome to Dairy, is officially greenlit and coming in 2024. What is this, like, like colonial-era dairy? <laughs> uh, who knows? It's got to be. It, well, it, it's probably going to be the last 1800s time. dairy. We're settling the town of dairy. <laughs> Look, a clown came to celebrate. Well, it's got to be the 50, It's got to be probably the 50s or the 20s. It's got to be one of the two. I would assume you can't. If you go past the twenties, then something's wrong. I don't know how you're going to do it. Look, the only good reference to it was the fact that it got referenced in the first episode of season three of Ted Lasso. That's it. Yeah, is that the new season? Yeah, the new season. Yes, the new season. My wife just got into it actually, so she just now caught up to me. Nice. Hmm. I'm a couple episodes behind, but you know what? Eric's not behind on Rick and Morty. You know what? Eric's getting later this year. Rick and Morty, the anime, coming to Max. I'm very behind in Rick and Morty. I think maybe two seasons at this point. <laughs> and just because I just, I have to like... I don't know where he gets this fuck, folks. Like Casey just comes up with, with, with weird stuff. I do just come up with some weird he stuff. He assigns gonna... character profiles to all of us and then just makes it up. Yeah, we exist in his mind and he just tells us how to. He's, He's like Abed from is... Community. He made up characters for us and we're supposed to live them out. 
Eric, this is the shot. Eric and Jonathan in the evening. That's the shot of Rick and Morty, the anime. I want your thoughts right now. Live thoughts. What do you think of that picture? It's kind of the same. Yep. Good. Glad we're on the same page. I don't know why they're doing this, folks. I don't know why. That's our Zaslav. And also, he gave us the Gremlins trailer. Um, Eric, thoughts? John, thoughts? I thought it was, meh, it's a kid's show. Maybe I'll watch it. Maybe I won't. Yeah. The animation looks good. Yeah. Still like the style of it. I feel like it's 40 years out to date. I was about to ask, because, John, you have kids that would be Mm. old enough to watch this. Are your kids super secretly into Gremlins and we didn't know? No. No one asked for this. Have your kids ever seen Gremlins? (laughs) No. No one's ever asked. No. (laughs) All right. Moving on to things that other people didn't ask for. True Detective Season 4 trailer. (laughs) Actually, a lot of people asked for this one. Uh, It's got Jodie Foster in it. What do you guys think? I think it looks good. I only watched the first season. Yeah, it looks pretty good. I... I need to go back and watch the third season with um. Oh, I know his name. Colin Farrell. No, I saw that season, and then it was pretty bad, so I didn't watch the one after that. But with, with the guy who's going to be Blade, um, so Mahershala Ali. Yeah, he did a whole season that was. Supposed oh, to be I didn't good. know he did a season. Well, maybe I'll go back and watch that season. Yeah, it's supposed to be good. All right. Well, this um, one looks good. I'm in. John, are yeah, you in? It does. It does look good. I agree. There. John says sure. Next <laughs> that up, we was, got that was huge, folks. John that was in. huge. The sympathizer trailer. What'd you guys think? I don't know anything about this book, but I'm telling you why I'm sold on the trailer. I'm just in it for oh, Robert yeah. Downey Jr. and his many looks. That's why I'm sold. <laughs> yeah, I'll watch it. I I'm confused more by it than I am. Like I don't know what it is still. Yeah, <laughs> it feels like um. I was thinking Miss Saigon for a few minutes there. No. Oh, the Americans. It feels like the Americans in a way. Oh, I hate you because you're right. It does feel like the Americans. And I, I never saw the Americans, but I never wanted to either. Uh, Americans is good. People loved it. I know a lot of people loved it. We recommend it. Rachel's giving two thumbs up right now to the Americans. And speaking of giving two thumbs up, we're getting the Harry Potter tv series it's official it's been greenlit i'm done folks i'm out of here good night everybody (laughs) you know by the time this movie comes out or the tv show comes out it'll been i think 25 years since the first movie so it's been a while it's been a while it is um actually i think it'd be 20 years um since the first movie but anyway it's still a long time um i'm in for it i'm excited for it i don't like that she is an executive producer and she'll be around to make sure that it um, follows the um, feel that she always intended for the books but i'll still watch the show because the books were good and you know i look forward to the actual showrunners putting in gay characters all over the place and pissing her off (laughs) she put a gay character in dumbledore she She did she did put in a gay character and then you know, said he wasn't really gay. Um, I didn't know that. So, <laughs> now, here's part where the story gets fun. So that's all the stuff that was announced today. After they announced switching their name to Max, their yeah. stock dropped 6%. <laughs> well, and then a couple of days ago, Elizabeth Warren, my senator, along with some other senators, want to have HBO or sorry Warner Brothers Discovery investigated for antitrust because they seem to be ripping apart the brand, which is an American institution. 
And they use Batgirl as an example because it was created. And once the copyright's there, you can't just destroy something. If you're not going to use it, it's supposed to go to the people and they are breaking copyrights. Hmm. So are so, are we saying we may get Batgirl after all based on being forced? I guess it would depend on if they actually truly destroyed everything or not. Mm. Surely, but, surely it exists somewhere. Yeah, there's got to be something somewhere. But it, anyway. Like in 10 years we'll have seen it somehow, even yeah. if it's by like illegal league. And Warren is calling them out on they destroyed this movie for a tax break. Yeah. Like this is going to be a very fascinating like investigation that is about to happen. And I'm all anyway, I can't it. ignore that advertisement that has that really weird picture of Michael Douglas. Huh? That was in the pop up. It's in the pop up on the right hand side of the screen. Go back up. What pop? The one where that says the three percent can solve it. There was like a Michael Douglas photo there, him looking oh. like Nick Nolte when he got arrested. <laughs> I was like, "What is that image?" And it's okay. Hopefully, it doesn't so come back. Ov- overall thoughts on Max. That was a lot of news. Overall thoughts. Waste of time. It's... There's your photo, and yes, waste of time. Oh God, there not it the is. news, but <laughs> yeah, not the news, but uh, what Zaslav <laughs> is doing is a waste of time. Yeah, I don't, I don't get it. I, it just feels like he's rocking boats to to rock them, and like yeah. he's not. I I would like to understand what the strategy, even to make money, is from all this. Right? I I don't even feel like he has that strategy down. Like if I were a, a like a shareholder, I'd be like, "What the fuck are you doing with my company, man? We had a brand, and he's just throwing away brands left and right." Well, especially yeah. as your stock just dropped six yeah. percent. You know, so, I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm not a shareholder, which is why I'm I know. But I'd be like, a, if you're if you're a shareholder, I'd be pissed. I'd be making phone calls. Yeah, he's gonna go the Let's way of um, a lot of phone calls. Go the way of uh, Chancellor Valorum, and he's gonna give vote no confidence if he's not careful. Yeah, does Zaslav make it to 2024? <laughs> yeah, well, we're, we're early enough in the year. Like, I mean, what he, you know, he launches Max in May. If it continues yeah. to tank, I mean, what happens? Yeah, they would have. They would probably get rid of him. Oopsie. Well, what happens with what happens with this bad news right now? He's doing well, but bad thing. But think about this investigation into the antitrust and the merger. Yeah, that's what that's happens if if Elizabeth Warren and them break up HBO. Like, what happens? Does someone else? get to just buy it which i don't think that's how it works i think they just have to fire sale the whole thing i think if and that, at that point you could have marvel go we'll take superman we'll take batman well you you say that but i think if they force a breakup here i think disney's about to shit their pants <laughs> well you know? yeah, that's because the problem look, because look they at, can't look just, at the umbrella there you they know? can't start doing that because then they would open themselves up to the same criticism yeah they would open the I mean like yeah. that's the problem is that it's the, what I don't like about these mergers is that what typically happens is the, in them is that somebody drops a shitload of money, some people at the top make a lot of money and leave, and then yep. somebody else tries to come in and do their version of streamlining, which means taking a crap on everybody down below and like playing cost cutting measures because they dumped a lot of money onto a bunch of golden parachutes for people who just didn't want to manage the thing anymore. And yep. if it all burns to pieces, it'll all be the people at the top who just cash out. Yep. So this is going to be very interesting to see what happens. I'm very fascinated. It's like a corporate but game of pirates. Fascinated. It is a corporate game of pirates. 
Um, and speaking of pirates and being more fascinated, let's jump to some happier news. Hey. Indiana Jones trailer was shown at Star Wars Celebration. What'd you think? I'm all in. Where's my short round? No joke. Where is he? He's coming back. He's coming back. He's got. He's totally. Back. He's totally gotta be coming back. That would be right. fun. Let's jump to the Star Wars stuff because this is where there's going to be a lot of uh, meat here. So, excuse me. Um, let us go through the things that were done. So let me hit the TV show stuff first, and then we'll talk about the movies. So the first TV show that we got information on was Andor season two, and it will take place in, or sorry, it will air in 2024. They're currently filming it and it will be three episode arcs and each arc will take place a year apart from each other. So they're counting up to, yeah. Yeah. So okay. they're trying to speed up quickly to That's fine. To stuff. Yeah. We're going to get Star Wars Acolyte and it will be, it is described as Frozen meets Kill Bill. <laughs> I said that correctly. Frozen meets Kill Bill. <laughs> um, it will be in the High Republic um, is when that will be. So this will be the earliest Star Wars thing that we have seen. Um, it will actually be at the end of the High Republic the be- um, before the prequels. So in that time period. So there's a lot of stuff, fun stuff they can play with. That means they got uh, Yoda. He's there. Yes, Yoda would be there because he is a big part of the High Republic. Mm-hmm. Um, again, it's Frozen meets Kill Bill. Um, one thing we know about it is it will follow some twins who were separated at birth, and one twin goes dark side, and one twin goes Jedi. Oh, so Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Yes. Got yes. It. Um so I think it sounds pretty cool. I'm excited. I'm going to be curious to see how audiences can understand the timeline in their head of like, when does this movie take well, place? When does that keep take it simple? Place? I mean, I think they've got to keep it simple, stick to some very general, you know, don't overcomplicate the story. Let people sort of soak into the familiar. Yeah, that's how I would play it. Um, we've got um, Jonas um, Sum. Saltumo, I'm, I'm gonna mispronounce his name. Um, but he is the, he played um, in the new movies, the most recent three. He um, took over for Peter Mayhew. Oh, okay. Um, okay. So he's probably playing this particular in this yeah, photo I'm showing you guys. He's probably yeah. playing that Wookie. But it'll be cool because we could see potentially a Wookie as a Jedi. And, Wait, I'm, and we're at the height of the Jedi Order at this point too. Also, yes, yes. Um, what the one, what's the like black and gray Wookiee that we saw in like Boba Fett and stuff? Is oh, he's a bounty hunter. Yeah, he's a bounty hunter, but I don't know his name. Um, and Jonas could be playing him. Too. Oh, he's a Wookiee. Yeah, he's just a Wookiee bounty hunter. Yeah, he's a Wookiee bounty hunter, but we're going to see a Wookiee Jedi. Oh. Right, yeah. Right, right. Um, Lee Jong-Jae is going to be a Jedi Master and Acolyte. Um, and that's the Acolyte news. We also cool. got the TV show Skeleton which will be in 2023 and it is going to follow or this year um it's going to follow a group of kids and i believe that's the one with jude law in it i think it's jude law um who's going to be like the adult lead so it's kind of cool carrie condon from um the irish or not irishman um is nishmore is not lieutenant nishmore is it uh, the banshees the banshees and nishmore um, sure. carrie condon was in it 
edition. Um, we're also going to, uh, we got the Ahsoka trailer, um, Ahsoka coming out in August of this year. What did you guys think of the Ahsoka trailer? It's Ahsoka amazing. It looks great. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be really interesting because of how it's going to sort of, I feel run sort of somewhat parallel to what's been going on the Mandalorian. So it's going to be fascinating. Yes. I'm looking action packed. I'm I'm excited about that. It does look action packed and I'm getting Sabine and I'm happy and chopper. I'm very, very happy. I'm also getting chopper in star Wars celebration. They also gave us the new star Wars timeline. Hmm. Um, and that new timeline is dawn of the Jedi, the old Republic, the high Republic, Fall of the Jedi, which Fall of the Jedi would be the prequels. Mm-hmm. Reign of the Empire would be the original series. Age of Rebellion, the new Re- Age of Rebellion should be, um, I believe that's Mandalorian. Well, Andor um, then falls Re- during the Reign of the Empire oh, or the Age of Rebellion. Actually, yeah, sorry. Yeah, as I'll say, yeah. actually, here we go. Yeah, here we go. Yeah. yeah. Um, Okay. So yes, yeah, so sorry. I, I so prequels follow Jedi, Reign of the Empire of the Bat is Bad Batch, Age of the Rebellion is Andor, Rebels, Rogue One, Original Trilogy, New Republic would be Mandalorian, Book of Boba Fett and Ahsoka, Rise of the Jedi Orders, the new trilogy that we've seen, and the TV show Star Wars Resistance, and then New Jedi Order, um, which should be something coming up. So it's nice. I'm that assuming that's what's going to take place with that new sequel trilogy they want to do with Daisy Riddler. Um, Daisy Ridley, and yes, Ridley, I'm sorry. glad you brought that up. Yes, Daisy Ridley will be returning to play Rey in a new Star Wars movie um, where she will be setting up a new Jedi Order, and it will take place 15 years after Rise of Skywalker. So it gives some time that they can play around and do some stuff. Okay. We don't know if anyone else is coming to it, but... You know, I want to say it. something about this. I mean... I think one of the reasons why the sequels felt so disjointed, besides the fact that there was all that internal conflict in the making process, but I think I'm coming to appreciate the sequels a little bit better now that I'm seeing things like The Mandalorian and The Book of Boba Fett and the things that happened in like what was basically 15 to 20 years mm-hmm. into Regnum. And now that I'm yeah. seeing those things, it's making me like feel a slight bit of more appreciation. I'm not a totally sold on the sequels. They actually made me like the prequels better, which was weird, but you never know. Clone Wars made me like the prequels more. Yeah. Because Clone Wars fixed a lot of things um, with the with the prequels. Um, I, and the prequels, you were jumping 10 years between each film anyway, so yeah. or like close to that. I thought the the sequel trilogy was supposed to be the end of the Skywalker era. It, it is it, the end of the Skywalker. It is the Skywalker era. era yes, it's right. just Jay. Or, sorry, Jay Ray is continuing on. Um, but I, she I, stole I, that I, name. Like, I just feel like they've clearly done better when they've gone outside of that kind of timeline and looked at parallels or other things, like whether it's the Mandalorian, whether it's um, you know Rogue well, One, or or I mean, I know all that ties in, but like. Focus my on like hope ground level stories and it's it's way better. My hope is that she just never once mentions her her lineage, and hopefully she just goes by Jedi Master not? Ray. How can she not? Yeah, it's easy. You just don't. Yeah, don't like, mention that your father it's was gonna be the like, emperor. Oh, oh, I can't. I lost my thoughts. Like over and over about it. I'm sure. 
Like, just, I don't know. just magically forget about it, and it'd be kind of almost like a retcon. And I hated we... that. I hated the third movie of that, the ninth movie. That I, I need to go back and rewatch it. The third movie was such a it was so rushed, bad. compact re-edit kind of. I like the third movie, and it but... does not help. I think honestly yeah. that Casey, you and I went to see it in one of those like a 4d theater where the seats are like moving around i'm like this is the work like this is not the movie for that like top gun i should have seen in that but like not that or um uh, top gun oh i had to fast and another. furious maybe even or or fast and furious would be good or you could just go to see magic mike in it oh god <laughs> <laughs> magic mike in 4d <laughs> Just imagine Mike just let you all go into the theaters and put on 3D go- like virtual reality goggles and I get really it. weird. I hate, it. I hate it. Speaking of Eric's hate for three, no, there's no actual <laughs> speaking. Of, I don't okay. have anywhere to connect that. Um, yeah, because no one's doing it anymore. They shouldn't. No one's doing it anymore. Uh, they're the other Star Wars movie. There's three that were announced. The second Star Wars movie that was announced is a Dave Filoni directed Star Wars movie that will. I apologize for the noise that my mic is definitely picking up. Um, the Dave Filoni movie will be the bridge that ties together the Mandalorian, Book of Boba Fett, and Ahsoka. So all of those are leading to one movie that Dave Filoni will direct, and it will go to movie theaters. And this is where we get the Star Wars Avengers. Yes. So I have no idea where this is going to go because things are just now starting to get seeded to us, but mm-hmm. I'm I'm down. I'm especially after this last fun? episode I mean... of um, Mandalorian. The third movie that was announced is going to be directed by James Margold, who did the new Indiana Jones movie. He also did Logan. Um, it will be the earliest Star Wars movie we will have ever seen. It will be following the creation of the first Jedi. And it, he just, of? yep, like the first Jedi temple and all that. Oh, okay. Um, and he They're is describing that island off Ireland. Yep, it's called <laughs> it's called Dawn of the Jedi, which is also the first thing in the timeline. Um, and he has described it as a biblical epic. Oh, okay. So this could either wow. be amazing or the worst train wreck decision Disney's ever made. Well, when it takes on its own version of Moses, there are going to be a lot of religious people who are going to get pissed off. But and oh, that's well. what I'm afraid is going to happen is that it's going to be a Moses story. And you know what? It's too bad that you guys couldn't do it better yourselves, but you know. Yeah. At least it's not Harry Potter doing it, okay? This is true. All right, so that's all the... Go ahead. I was just going to see if there's any already, like, source material for that. No. No. Well, they they retconned out of existence a lot of the Legends stuff, so they're kind of playing fast and loose with whatever they want to bring back. And it's going way back. We're talking like it's going, I think, 400 years back. Like, it's going ridiculously far back. So he can do anything he wants. They could do this like Battlestar. Spoilers for Battlestar. But it could have all happened before and is going to happen again. And we find (laughs) out that it's actually taking place on Earth. (laughs) No! (laughs) Are we going to see midichlorians again? Please don't. I hope we're seeing the human (laughs) race come out of a ooze of midichlorians. (laughs) Oh, oh, midichlorian bath. What? How do you Midichlorian get those pools of midichlor? 
how do you get those powers? I don't know, but I think one day someone will explain them away by calling them midichlorians. Well, that's just done. <laughs> someone will one day say it's like a virus. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a fungal infection. <laughs> it's like points. <laughs> you got to run through the levels and collect coins. That, my friends, is all the news. The Star Wars the stuff. Did we hit all 31? That, that is all 31. Um, the Star Wars stuff, just um, quick, yay, nay, are you happy? Are you excited? Does this excite you for Star Wars? Or are you more like, eh? I'm a little mixed on it, truthfully. I'm a little all right, mixed. you're mixed. I'm I'm, I'm a little it. mixed, too. I want to see how it all comes together. Yeah. All right, well. I'll, they're, uh, they're they're reaching. They're they're thinking big, and I, I appreciate it. So let's see if they can pull it off. They are reaching. They are thinking big. And thinking big is going to be the next topic of this real fast. Hey-oh. I have a question. Um, I want to know from you guys, um, what is fan service, and are you for it? What I, I'm going to say that what is fan okay. service and are you for it? Okay, let, I'll, I'll, let me let me take this one first. Okay, so fan service in its most basic is when creators do things and reference things that are appealing to fans and will engage them, like Easter eggs that are very prominent or cameos that are super, you know, obvious. Um, I think I have, don't hate fan service. I think though that you have to do it right. There's an art to it and that and I think this has been going on with the most recent season of Mandalorian. There have been times where they have sort of fan service to say Clone Wars and Rebels fans and people who've read the novels and other complicated issues with the Mandalorian culture that are not obvious or, you know, necessarily ultimately appealing to the casual audience member. But at the same time, they can also they ha- sort of have to do this to some degree. But at the same time, they can have star cameos that then piss off those people who are big into the lore. And so it's like this whole back and forth, like, say, when Lizzo and Jack Black show up. Sorry, Eric. Um, they And Christopher Lloyd, you know, and it's like, oh, that's cool. And that's like an outside thing that you're just a fan or you know who the celebrity is. That's fun, too. But there are people who don't like that either. Like, it's a mixed bag. You have to, like, thread a needle with it sometimes. So let me ask, then, for the fan service piece, not the not the cameo, but the fan service piece of throwing in a character here and there. Is that fan service or is that? exploring and expanding the universe and showing how interconnected everything is by having a, the one random character show up. Like, you know who I'm talking about, John, like, is it, was that fan service or is that just a, this character is out there doing stuff and we're just running, bouncing into them. And you know, Hey, if you know who it is, cool. If you don't, that's yeah, cool I think if it's relevant, I like. I don't want to say do it for the sake of doing it because you think you have to. But I mean, if it has a relevant point, if it expands a story or offers us insight into something that was already out there, I think that's great. Like, for example, I don't know how I feel about this one, but say in Rogue One, when Andor bumps into the two guys who later confront Luke in the cantina. Mm-hmm. on Tatooine part of me is like okay but part of me was like well what was that really for so I guess they escape you know kind of thing right. but at the same time it was kind of like it can kind of cut both ways but I think like 
if you run into characters or like you cross paths with characters who maybe you know about or like you know for example grand admiral thrawn who's now being teased out even in the mandalorian there's references to him of course but yet we haven't seen him and then there's a lot of people who are going to go who the heck is that you know people who are casual fans or didn't see rebels or read the mm-hmm. novels or know anything about anything before because he existed before the can- the current canon are going to be like but I don't mean that I think it can take it has to like don't do it I think you have to do it in the service of the story like a relevancy element and I think it's good that we expand the nature of the universe because the thing that I think was interesting about the movies particularly the main Star Wars line of movies is that most of the time they kept you narrowly focused within a very contained stream of events and you didn't necessarily get to stray too far out of it. The only time they actually did that was in the last Jedi and everybody seemed to hate it. So, you know, I don't know. It's, I think it's a tricky thing. I think it's tricky. Yeah. Eric, what are your thoughts on fan service? I I agree with, with um, what John was saying about it. It needs to serve the story. Um, And to me, I think it, it, you could make a, a more generalized argument even that it needs to serve the world building mm-hmm. um and i think that that's something that's weird about star wars right now and it's kind of ip in general is that it, it feels like they're world building <laughs> in a lot of ways um which is great because there is obviously a universe of worlds for them to to lean on and, and find um but it's it is certainly causing I think if some a character comes in, and I think I might know who you're talking about, even though I haven't seen the episode yet. Um, but I think if like characters come in and, and are referenced to to fan service type moments, there's nothing wrong with it. It just it needs to serve the moment. It needs to certainly serve the story, as John was saying, and it needs to serve the larger idea of the world that you're building. If it just seems like we're running into someone for a cameo, it feels like it's sweep sweep. Well, it's a friction point is what it boils down to. It boils down to the friction point. How do you right. handle the, there... the heat of the friction? Are you involved in the plot or are you just um, a seller at the market? Yeah. Um, um, sorry, I'm trying to adjust my game tiny bit. Um, yes, I definitely agree. It has to serve the plot. It has to serve the story. It also has to serve the world building, particularly in this type of story because we're talking about star wars but if we were talking about something else doesn't necessarily have i mean it should should have a point to why it's there not just be there um the other question i was going to ask you could you could say that about anything you see on screen now right there should be no second we watch of tv especially that isn't serving a larger plot i mean it's actually even more so for a movie right you have a limited amount of time to hold my attention well, sitcoms are kind of a. Di- I mean, sitcoms didn't have to do that because they could be episodic, but that's kind of like a dying breed of television yeah. these yeah. days, somewhat. And even then, it's it's kind of your background at that point. Going so, back to Max, they're they're launching a whole bunch of content that'll be all that. Yeah, and so going back to Ambient. what John mentioned, you can't. So Star Wars fans, I've just de- I've decided are the most fickle, arrogant, dick hole fans out there next to the Snyder bros where oh yeah Star Wars fans so you had your you you loved your first set your first trilogy and they're like I want more Star Wars I want more Star Wars so you get more Star Wars they're like fuck Star Wars this ruined Star Wars I can't watch Star Wars ever again 
because they hated Jar Jar so much that George Lucas raped their childhood, which was a quote when the prequels came out. So then you get the kids who grew up on the prequels who are now watching Star Wars and they're like, hey, I want more Star Wars. I like this prequel stuff. I like these TV shows. I like the original thing. I want more Star Wars. And then what do they get? They get the new trilogy. And they're like, I don't like the new trilogy. It's too fan see, and it's making it feel like you're just trying to appease the people who like the first three movies. So then Disney was like, all right, cool. You don't want this. So let's give you something brand new. So they give us something brand new. And they're like, we don't want this. Fuck this. It's too dark. Give us something that's lighter. So then they course correct and they give us Rise of Skywalker. And they're like, well, we don't want this either. We hate you all. Give us something better. So they get Mandalorian and they love Mandalorian. And then at the end of the second season of Mandalorian, they're like, fuck this. We hate Mandalorian. You're not giving us what we want. That's it's fickle. Fans. It's fickle. They're fickle. Yes. And Star Trek fans are just back there be like, yeah, we've got a good ride. We're enjoying what we got. <laughs> <laughs> if Star- Picard Star- season three isn't just one giant fan service. <laughs> yeah. Oh my I haven't God. I haven't seen season three, but it's like oh, Star well, I mean, most of it has been fans. fans I'm sorry, but like <laughs> most of Picard, in some way or another, has been quite a bit of fan service in many respects. Particularly I, season I, two started it like hard, and even season well, one say, with the whole data element, and then you yeah. know season two you get Q and you get all that other stuff, and then yeah. Well, I want to say for Star Trek real quick, and I'll let Eric go. Um, I'm, Star Trek fans seem to be like, I really like this Star Trek. I didn't like Voyager. Eh, it didn't ruin the rest of it. I'm just not going to watch it. It's a lot of flavors, or, a lot of like individual flavors. Yeah, you just seem to pick up and watch what you like, and then you move on. And if you don't Wait. like what's there, then you you don't watch it. I got it. I got it. Okay, so Star Trek is like a um like a variety box of those popsicles that you freeze. Um, and you just pick the flavors you like and you don't have to eat the ones you don't like. But Star Wars has always been like a really good ice cream. And now they're trying to mix it up a little bit more and add some more flavors, like something at a Cold Stone Creamery. And uh, people aren't liking the combinations. And so they want to throw the whole thing out. That's a good way to describe it. <laughs> All right. So that's, that was the question I wanted to ask: was what was fan service? Um, Are we yes, referring Eric, to the sorry. return of the gentleman? Well, I'm sorry, Jar Jar Binks. I feel like there is an audience out there for fan service, though. We've seen tons of fan service. I mean, perhaps risky opinion here. Endgame is a pretty much a fan service movie at times. Like all it, the Marvel movies are fan service. <laughs> it's okay, how you execute it, though. Fan service in them. That's but how you have to do like it. It's 20 minutes. The Thanos, like the final Thanos fight is a lot of fan service for that fight, right? Because it's just showing off the 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 ensemble basically. But but that's what oh. makes Marvel work so well is that they built all the way to that, though. Mm-hmm. They built right. little things leading you to that. You knew it was coming and you loved it because you knew it was coming because they had laid this is why the Snyderverse failed. They tried to rush everything and make everything happen all at once, and I'm like you're failing to execute the the idea because you're trying to go for the money shot right out the gate. You're not building. You're not, you know, just how we put it this way. You're not doing enough foreplay to really yeah. get to the good stuff. Yeah. That's true. They're not putting on the 10 years of work to to get to earn it. 
That's the longest foreplay ever, but yes. Let's... <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, Endgame was what, 10, nine years after? after yeah, um, no, it was 10 years. Yeah, we took a long time to get there, and it was it paid off in the end. Oh, yeah. Well, that's any, some fan any, service. I'm just saying there's a lot of fan service out there. I think it has its place, and I would really – I, I actually like the first – so what? Episode 7 was one of – I still think that's a really good one, and I think it was a, a complete fan service movie in that it was basically a new hope, oh, okay. <laughs> you know, redone. I was going to make – so, like, I think there's there's a lot of fan service. I'd love to hear from one of our listeners who, like, is on the fan service train. It's like, no – all of this worked for me. Don't you, you guys are you guys make no sense? <laughs> I'll make, like I think there are people out there like that. Oh, I I would be willing to say that almost all genre stuff is fan service horror. After no. like the well, wait a minute, but after the first horror thing, when you watch and you you see that gruesome kill, you're like, oh my god, that reminds me of this other movie, and it's all just playing on top of itself, like um, especially when you start to get into sequels and then other things like. Um, it plays yeah, to our rep- I, I love a repetition in patterns. It's what yeah, it's doing. It's, it's playing yeah, into yeah, a human natural element of storytelling. We like foreshadowing. We like to see build up and pay off. If you're going to put the gun on the table at the beginning of the movie, you better damn shoot it. Thank you, Chekhov. Yeah, yeah. We yeah. we like to well, see we like to see those patterns. Those things are like, oh, I've seen that before, and I know I'm going to love it. And you start watching that movie, and you're like, oh, there's a, there's an axe there. Someone's about to get hit. Or oh, there's a look. In Bad Boys, there's that really nice car. You know that that actually Fast and the Furious would be a better example. Do you see that car and you're like, oh, they're about to go crazy with this car, and that's their fan service. We're getting paid off. Yeah, but that's I think there's. A I mean, it's different than in, how I started. But. There's a certain tongue in cheek that that those movies come to the table with in the first place. So I think yeah. that fan service makes a little more sense in that scenario. I think. To to my end, I I would push back and and disagree with you about all genre movies being fan service because look at the MCU. I think Blade versus like what you're gonna see in the MCU of Blade potentially down the line anyway. Um, but it speaks to the idea of like fan service. I don't feel like all MCU if, if, because in your definition and the, if you start lumping things like that in, I think you can talk about MCU and the earning the earning of the fan service later, especially as. It's A, it's reference to source material, and mm-hmm. B, it is world building, right? So the world building we kind of already talked about. Yeah. The reference to source materials, that's just the case. You know, arguably, we have accepted that these adaptation movies far more than we accepted like The Green Mile or, you know, uh, Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil. All these movies that were adapted from books, right? The difference is that these have had, I would say, animations to show us a visualization of what the these authors words are and these storylines are in a way that you know midnight of garden good and evil that's are, something that comic books have an advantage then because yeah. they have decades but, of visual history but, but i would the, say adaptations are is, fan service no i disagree i think adaptations are just adaptations we if that's the case you could make an argument that almost all of visual cinematography but you know cinema TV, all of that is is fan service in general because it's not a required form of entertainment. It's an elevated form of entertainment. We could simply all just read. Well, and that's here, where I want to get to. I think I movies think that, and there are libraries where you could. It's do like that the difference at. between movies and films. <laughs> like people differentiate between what's a movie and a film by the idea that films have a complex artistic expression that doesn't necessarily 
care about an audience where a popular quote popular culture movie does mm-hmm. reflect or uh cater to fan service of an audience of some kind there is room i think for both plenty but i think there are some people who you know it's like any work of art some art is created with an audience in mind and to to speak to certain people sure. and there are people who just engage in art for the sake of creating and they don't care they just create. They don't care about it. It's about where you feel about how you gen- how you envision an audience. Do you have an audience or do you just not care about an audience? I think has a role to play in that as well. Are you bringing your audience with you or are you going to your audience? That's that. Well, I think that's the point is that with, you know, if you're just doing something our tour and it's, you know, you have a vision that you want to project and you happen to want to do it in a film. I don't think you care about. If there's an audience that you're there, you know, there might be an audience out there who appreciates it, but you're not going to pander to them or cater to them. They have to come to you and right. they you can make I, the art, but you can make the argument. No, that's not. That's the opposite of fan service in a sense. Whereas exactly. if you and, were to consider fan service, and, doing at the MCU now. well, but fan service in a larger, broader sense, I think uh, tries to engage an audience that's already there while also trying to attract audiences, new ones as well. But it's working towards an already pre-existing built-in audience. I think of like the Lord of the Rings trilogy, the initial one, with um, as as so the sort of like because I'm sure it was full of fan service for the people, but I had never read the books, and it pulled me in all the same. Right, it didn't feel like there was any moment that I was like. Oh, that was, hey, look, here's the person from the books. And then like it moved on, right? It felt like everything served the the moment and the the story of the movies. There was never a moment where I felt like, hey, look, you know, Spider-Man just landed in front of the American flag before running off. You know, I think that's good fan service. I think we're <laughs> I think we're diving far into the idea that once you enter the realm of fan service, there is good fan service, there's and there can be bad fan service. Oh, definitely, definitely. That's true. Like that's I think true. the best fan service can be subtle and small that leaves large impressions but is woven into the pattern and the themes of the overall story like we were talking about earlier it's in service of a larger goal so you either you might notice it you might not notice it depending on what kind of divide you fall about your awareness but it does not detract or withhold your ability to enjoy the story whereas i think bad fan service relies too heavily on you having to be in an inside audience. And if you are not in that inside audience, your ability to enjoy the product is de- de- depleted or lowered or detracted from as a result. So let's, let's tie this back into Marvel. Yeah. So two questions. First question. Yes or no. Are Easter eggs fan service? Yes. Yes. Are Stan Lee cameos fan service? Yes. To a degree, yes. I think they're also kind of gimmicky. Do they detract from the overall? No. No. It's a Did it's they... a it's a it's if a humor well, gimmick. It's almost well, he's, no. he's a, he's a comic right. relief. To he's John's a comic point. relief, a a recognizable figure cameo who is there to kind of throw a little lightheartedness on the situation and move on. You don't linger. Seeing Stan Lee was like trying to find Hitchcock in one of his films. You know, it's like, you know, he's going to be there somewhere. It's like, where's Waldo? Yeah. Yeah. He's on the page somewhere. You just got to find him. <laughs> but no, well, to this... John's point, he, it was always like the, a lot of the fan service is always in, in favor and, and just kind of fun. 
I think there's a lot of nuance here that, you know, we could get into at a later time, but I think there's a lot of nuance to the ways we think about fan service and how it works and how it can work well, sort of eh or bad, you know. I think I think there's a fine line between fan service and adaptation. And I think that's that's what I was trying to express because going back to MCU, mm-hmm. right? Kevin Feige or Peter Jackson with the Lord of the Rings as I mentioned earlier. Neither of them I think were trying to do fan service. I think they were trying to do it right. And like and I think that's that's where that's kinda like the highest form of fan service though. Becomes, if you're truly doing exactly, it for the fans, but, you do it well. But, but then you're also sure. Then in that case, everything we do is fan service. That's what that's completely that's what I was trying to get to. If the artist is doing anything for someone else to a degree, it is fan service. You are trying to give your fans a service. Every that's, sequel is purely fan service. If that's right, case. every sequel. <laughs> and, can there be bad fan service? Well, yeah. Any form of storytelling can be bad. You know, it's how it's all done. Should it should fan service? So in the Mario movie, if there's a uh, if they put the Mario carts in it, should that ruin the movie because it's too fan servicey? No, I don't think it should. It would make um, sense for them to, in my opinion. Right. So story. like it drives the story. It, it could easily drives. Literally, story. in this case, drives the story. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I guess I, I'm gonna I, I'm gonna keep fighting the fight and we can move on but no i think it's a good I conversation keep, i keep believing in the fight that there's a difference between fan service and adaptation and it's a fine line but like it, yes you can make the argument that adaptation is always fan service and fan service is always adaptation mm-hmm. right but i think that makes you you come back to that same argument john you had a second ago where movie versus film right you know or, or whatever you you have this idea of like where are where's the gimmick versus where's the story um, and that's you know coming back to Lord of the Rings, it doesn't feel fan servicey because it it's constantly driving forward. Um, some certain Marvel movies feel really strong in the fact that they the the Easter eggs, the fan service is laced in well versus kind of like hey, you know. <laughs> here's this you know oversight shot with with drinking bud light you know beer right. and whatnot you know in our other marketing at the moment so well that's that becomes that, that, that becomes different when it's like blatant advertising well sure that's yeah, a whole other beast that. that's that's called transformers 3 <laughs> any transformers, <laughs> any transformers. <laughs> but particularly transformers 3 that one's pretty bad uh Trans- the fact that it's transformers it is just a pure marketing <laughs> Movie. It's, it's just except for the 1980s transformers <laughs> movie and that's just pure gold and Ugh. i won't hear any other words on that one <laughs> all right let's move on that was actually a really good conversation um gentlemen i do appreciate it i really like that a lot um, so thank you for having the conversation and fighting the good fight and we will continue <laughs> to fight the good fight and ask the hard questions particularly as we go through these movies which are going to become more fan servicey as we go along and at some point in time we're going to answer the question what is a movie because some critics would say that the marvel stuff are not movies so let's get to what is a movie and what's not a movie um but that is a question for another time um other like like other questions for another time you can write in and ask us questions at notfunnyguys.offthereels at gmail.com and we swear we will actually go through one day and look at our mailbag but this was a weird week, so we're not doing it today. We just had a long conversation, too. Yes. But we love you guys. Write in notfunnyguys.offthereels at gmail.com. Ask us your questions, and we will get to them. Now, let's get to 
some movies. So I had to watch some movies this week. These guys had to watch a movie this week, unlike last week where they had watched two. Um, I had to watch Hulk, Blade, Blade 2, and Blade Trinity. One of those movies I don't really care for. You're going to you find specify out. that they were talking about here about the Ang Lee Hulk. Mm-hmm. Well, so it is technically know. the only one that's called Hulk. Really? Okay. Yeah, because it's Incredible Hulk. Is um, well, we did Edward from like a couple episodes of like Hulk, Hulk, Incredible Hulk Returns, the Trial of Hulk. There's been a lot of Hulk. Hulk. There's been a lot of Hulk. But this is this is the (laughs) 2003 Hulk movie. All right. Um. So let's just just go straight into it. 2003 Ang Lee Hulk movie. Um. From Universal, it is two hours and 18 minutes, which is misleading because it feels like four hours and 30 minutes. (laughs) It is an origin story. I've seen it before. James, which one doesn't you like, folks? <laughs> I actually do like this one. Uh, James Shamus is the writer. Uh, Danny Elfman did the music. I actually oh, really wow. like the music really? that Danny Elfman That's did cool. on this. The cast we got Mr. Eric Bana as Bruce Banner, Jennifer Connelly as Betty Ross. Yes. John, keep it in your pants. Yep. Sam Elliott playing General Ross. Josh Lucas playing Glenn Talbot and Nick Nolte playing Bruce's father uh what hey, i don't want to rag on john on on john hurt or which which one was it? william hurt william i don't want to rag on him but i like sam elliott's thunderbolt ross a little bit better i did too. casting choice i agree i think that he we'll just get straight into it. i think that he makes the better general ross he um, feels more general ross to me that's just that's the thing you know who i'm scared to see as general ross harrison, harrison ford, ford. <laughs> So this, um, gentlemen, this is what Hulk looked like in 2003 in the comics. Um, here's another image just for um, Mr. Eric. Um, okay. So that's what Hulk looked like. And this is what Hulk looked like in the movie. And so I watched this in Matt 4K. Damon. <laughs> uh, I watched this in 4K. It looks really good in 4k i gotta say it doesn't look as it doesn't look that bad for cg there's some weird stuff that they did but for the most part it looks really good except for that scene right there that scene does oh yeah um there's a scene in his first transformation where nick nolte touches his face and it looks really good like it looks really really good so i give him i give him props for that um this is what um, Betty Ross look like in the comic books, and this is the Betty Ross we got. So, yeah, pretty really pretty good easy. choice there. Um, this is general. Oh, no, sorry, that's not General Ross. Um, this is General Ross right there. Here's another General Ross. This is General Ross's first appearance, so we can see Mr. Ross there. And Thank you for um, those large photos. Sorry, <laughs> that's what I got. <laughs> um, this now, is <laughs> this this is the General Ross we got in the movie. So he looks really good. Um, yeah, yeah, he's he's an amazing General Ross, and then Glenn That's a Talbot, young Sam Elliott too. It is a very young Sam Elliott. It's not a very young. He's... <laughs> well, I mean, it's not it's, it's not down. Tombstone young, but it is. It's young. not even like um, it's not even uh, Big Lebowski young. Yeah, that's an even younger. Sam this is Glenn Talbot. Um, here is another Glenn Talbot, and this is the Glenn Talbot we got. Boo, boo this man. <laughs> um I do I I appreciate this shot of him. <laughs> oh, that's the worst CGI of the whole film. <laughs> I know. Um, this Can is we not... get his face on the on the graphic? <laughs> <laughs> 
this this is Glenn Talbot from the Agents of Shield show. I just wanted to show that because that at least looks like Glenn Talbot. <laughs> Glenn Talbot from the comics. Glenn Talbot from Shield. Yeah, it's got the little spacer. Glenn Talbot from this movie. All right. Um, so this is fun photos for you guys to see. Um, so costume wise, Hulk looks like Hulk. Um, is Stan in this movie? Yes, Stan is in this movie. He is a security guard with Lou Ferrigno. Um, Stan watch. And the villain of this is General Ross, who's generally the villain, and Bruce's father, which is really weird. Um, this movie does some really cool stuff with visuals and doing like comic book panels and zooming in and out of them that I really love a lot. I really love that. The music. Yang Lee did have a style that worked really well. It worked so well. Oh my God. There's so much good stuff about this movie. Um, the comic cuts. Um, um, uh, General Conley is a great Ross. Like I said, I like Eric Bana. Um, Represents Eric. There's a weird scene with like a gamma exposure on a frog that makes the frog melt and blow up like it's in a microwave, which is a really weird scene to see. Um, I did while I was looking up this movie and was watching it. Um, Edward Norton was actually approached to play Banner first, but he turned it down. So we actually could have had Edward Norton in this. Um, what was he Jennifer, doing at the time? I wonder. Um, the Fight Club would have already happened at this point in time, so I'm not sure. Carry on. Um, Jennifer Connelly, um, this is the first time she's in Marvel. She comes back later on in Spider-Man Homecoming because she's the voice of Spider-Man's suit. A little bit later on, which, by the way, that's um, a funny that's a funny bit considering that Jarvis, played by Paul Bethany, that's her real life husband. Yeah, they're both suit voices. Um, we've got the there's a gamma bomb in this, but the gamma bomb does not actually create Hulk officially. Um, he gets his powers by stepping in front of a gamma machine. Mm. Um, that causes some weird imagery, and it's all over the place. Um, but then we get like this first really cool Hulk out scene and it's in the dark and it's cool and gritty and I love it. And then this movie just continues to drag on so slowly. God, this movie's so fucking slow. <laughs> um, but then we're gonna get a second Hulk scene and it's really cool except for, so there's a famous scene from the trailer where Talbot comes to, Hulk, to Eric Bana and he pushes him away and flings him onto the couch and then um Eric Bann is on the floor, like on his knuckles. And he's like, oh, you're not going to like me when I'm angry. And they do this weird shimmering green effect on his skin that I don't understand. It's like really bad CG. It was bad then and it's bad now. Um, and I still don't understand why they do this weird glowing skin. Um, but the scene itself is kind of cool. And then we get the Hulk fighting Hulk dogs. And I really hate it. I really hate it. I hate it so much. Take that out of this movie. Why is that in this movie? It shouldn't have been in this movie. The Hulk dogs are stupid looking. I hate them. Get rid of them. I never want to see them or think of them again. But then we get to um, Bruce and Betty kind of together. And then she turns him into her father. Mm. My note after that is Sam Elliott is so fucking good. I, I really like Sam Elliott. Mm. Um, so if the movie had ended there, this could have been a cool movie. If you also take out all of Nick Nolte's stuff, because then we're going to really get into the Nick Nolte stuff where he is going to create his own like abilities and become absorbing man, but not be absorbing man. And 
oh god it's just so weird just move on just move on yeah the only (laughs) nick nolte scene that makes sense in this movie and i don't maybe i didn't catch it before i mean i had to have caught it and i just didn't really think about it the whole plot of this is nick experimented on himself and then gets his wife pregnant and then he's gonna get fired so he's gonna set off a bomb on the the plane of the army base to kill everyone and himself after he stabs his son to death because his son could be a monster. This, him attacking his son is probably the only scene that I'd be willing to say should stay in the movie because at least it gives a reason to why Bruce is so messed up. But everything else with Nick Nolte should be cut out of the movie that would shave 40 minutes off of this movie and pacing going. Two hours and 18 minutes. Actually, it may not be 40 minutes. It might be closer to 30, but he's in a lot of it, um, particularly because the end. In this movie, the pacing's all over the place. The only good, truly good scene is after he gets a, caught by um, Ross. And while he, Nick Nolte was coming, absorbing me, and there's this really cool Hulk being chased by the military scene that's really cool and right out of the comics. And if the whole movie had been like that, this movie would have been amazing. But this movie wasn't that. This movie drags. Um, there is a really cool scene though where Hulk looks in the or Bruce is having a dream and he looks in the mirror and Hulk is there and he goes puny human. Um, it's kind of a cool scene. Um, <laughs> but then you get to the end of the movie and I really hate the end of the movie. The end of the movie is what actually hurts this movie the most to me, and the, that in the pacing. So um, this book was it good? Yeah, I kind of like it. I mean, it's what it is. It's not my favorite Hulk movie. It's not my favorite Marvel movie by any means. Um, but I do kind of, there's parts of me that like like it. It's not one I would go back and rewatch all the time. Generally, if I'm going to watch some, I'll just skip to that scene in the middle, in the, <laughs> like where the army's chasing him or any of the Hulk scenes that don't involve the stupid dogs. But I, I say this movie is a two and a half stars, um, which is going to kind of be a theme for this week. I put it below Incredible Hulk Returns, above the Gen X TV series, is where I put it. Um, It could maybe have been above Incredible Hulk Returns if it would have had better pacing. So, um, I rate this a 9. I will watch this scene, or I will watch this movie over, but it's a 9 on my list. But we're about to get to where all the really good stuff is, so that's going to drop down significantly soon. (laughs) Yeah, like it's going to drop pretty significantly. But um, yeah, Hulk, that's that is um, it is a movie. Um, yeah, you could watch if you want, but watch the Edward Norton one or She-Hulk or Avengers. Any or Mark Thor Ragnarok. Ragnarok. Hulk. Any Mark Ruffalo Hulk. Watch the Bill Bixby Hulks. Honestly, just watch those. <laughs> Damn. Watch the Bill Bixby. Um, is it, so is, that's what that's Bill kind of... Bixby or is it like. um. What's the guy's name? The guy who Lou Ferrigno. The... Yeah, thank you, thank you. Yeah, is it... I think it's a Lou Ferrigno Hulk at that point. Um, I, yeah, I mean, most I think most people just refer to it as the Bill Bixby one, probably because he's Bixby, in it Bruce more. Banner. Let's be honest. Yeah, because he's he, David yeah David Banner. Because he's I mean the Hulk doesn't show up that much on the TV show. Um, he's true. in every episode, <laughs> but it's mostly the Bill Bixby show. Um, so anyway, that's that's where I am with um that, and I forgot to set my did my lap timer there. Um, so yeah, Hulk, watch it. Don't watch it. If you do watch it, just skip to the scene where the military is chasing him and you're all good. So, 
All right. With that said, we're going to oh, Death to Smoochies. What he did, Red Dragon. I love that movie. God, yeah, it was so good. Oh my god, twenty fifth hour is a Spike Lee joint. I'm sorry, it is. Yeah, I didn't realize that. that Films that Edward Norton was doing while he couldn't take the role. Yeah, yeah, or why he didn't want to take the role. The Italian Job is what came out in two thousand three. The other, Uh, the other three were in two thousand two. He also did Frida in two thousand two, but I'm, I'm assuming he had a smaller role in that. No, well, you know what? You should watch Italian Job. Just watch Italian Job instead of Hulk. I've seen it. I've yeah. seen it. No, I'm saying instead oh. of Hulk, just watch Italian <laughs> Job. He, you're saying Edward Norton chose correctly in that. Edward case. Norton watch chose the regular. Watch the original with Michael Caine. Don't watch the remake. But I want. I was going to. Say, I want to throw this out there. If you want to see interesting cinematography and some cool ass ways to cut between scenes, watch this movie. Yes, the cuts are. Unbelievably amazing! I truly love them, and I wish more movies used that technique. The only other movie I know that used that technique was Phone Booth, um, with Ooh. Colin Farrell. It's the only other movie I know that used this technique, and it worked really well for that as well. Hmm. Speaking of working very well, I'm going to throw Eric for a loop, and we're oh. going to promote a library. Oh, I get it because Blade because it makes sense yeah. to do it makes sense uh, to do all the blades look together, at him, folks. He's a smartest. Oh, <laughs> I'm thinking. All right. Um, local libraries. So this one is as normal. Uh, I try to base it off one of the actors usually in their hometowns uh, where they were born. Does anyone want to guess who I chose this time around? Um, Wesley Snipes. Please be Stephen Dorff. No, not Wesley Snipes and not Stephen Dorff. Dorf. Nope. It was Chris Christopherson. Uh, The guy who I was like, I know him from something, and I looked him up, and I didn't know him from anything. Uh, He just looks like a lot of other actors, basically. And, like, you've seen him. It's like, you'll know him, folks. You just don't know where from. Anyway, he's from Brownsville, Texas. Uh, Brownsville, Texas, if you're looking at a map, is pretty much the most southern point of Texas you can get to. Um, It is uh, off of the Gulf of Mexico. It is on the border of Mexico. Um, The library itself is simply the Brownsville Public Library. I believe they have two libraries in their system, or at least that popped up on Google Maps in my uh, my search and trying to figure out things. Uh, Its origin is historically tied uh, to the the Learners Club, I believe, organization, and owes its founding to the club's... uh, It started the city's first subscription library in July 15th, 1912. Uh, So way back then. uh, That's an old library. It is, yeah. I mean, they they started pretty long ago. Uh, They say up to date, though. Uh, They now have a dino zone. Uh, This is an interactive learning space where patrons of all ages can explore an abandoned cave where previous explorers dug up fossils embedded in the rocks, discovers dinosaurs they found, and learn about them to become junior paleontologists. Uh, So as you can kind of probably hear, this is a, a great little area for kids. Um, I think this library does a really good job of promoting their their resources for kids in general, because uh, one of the other facts I found was that uh, the system in general, like I said, I believe it has uh, two libraries right now, has uh, internet computers just for kids, I believe 10 total computers uh, on the website list at least, uh, between both branches, um, and this is an open daily library, so we're back to some of our open dailies, it's breaking the streak in the south. Um, and so it's keeping uh, open daily, and you can actually go there between 10 and 6 any day, and then I think Monday through Thursday you get a little bit more extended hours. Nice. I like it. I like it. So it's and right off should... Veterans Park in, in Brownsville. 
And go soon before Texas pulls out all funding for libraries. <laughs> well, there's still books on the shelf. Well, there's still books on the shelf. And speaking of books on the shelves and pulling things and getting rid of funding, funding and draining them, um, let's take a quick break for us and uh, go drain something. Our sponsors love this. <laughs> <laughs> See you in a second, folks. And that's why you have to make sure that whenever you pop it in your mouth, you have to chew. Oh, hi, everybody. We're back. <laughs> We're going to talk about Blade, the 1998 movie um, from New Line Cinema. That's about two hours. This movie, if it wasn't for, sorry, let me raise it. If it wasn't for this movie, we would not have the MCU. That is how important wow. this movie is. Well, I would like to think. New Line Cinema uh, as Time Warner Company for it. It this movie is what showed that comic book movies could be successful. Wait, that they could be done right. This is before X Men. X Men is the next year. This is after Spawn. Yes, I it thought it is after Spawn. Was which Spawn is not successful? I thought Spawn no, was successful. Oh, not I love at Spawn. all. I like Spawn too, but it was not successful at all. Okay. Well, I retract my statement. You you can reclaim your time. Um, so this is based on a comic book called Blade. Um, this Blade. is an origin story um, directed by Stephen Norrington. I have some thoughts on him later. Um, David huh. Goyer wrote it. Mark Isham um, did the music. It is starring Wesley Snipes as the titular character Blade. Stephen Dorff as Deacon Frost. Chris Christopherson, who Eric has never heard of, as excuse me, Whistler, in Boucher, I think that's how they pronounced her name, um, Wright as Karen, um, Donnell Rogue as Quinn, who will be back in Ghost Rider, because he's also in Ghost Rider. Um, not Quinn, but the actor. Um, Udo Kier, I think that's how you pronounce his last name, as Dragonetti. Tracy Lords the Porn Star as <laughs> Rock. Eric he's our lead-in. Lords was right off the bat. Uh, Blade, does he look like the combo character? Well, let's let's take a look at that real quick. So in 1998, this is what Blade looked like. Here's another, here's another um issue. So they were already by the time this came out, they were already starting to adjust knowing the movie was coming. Mm-hmm. So they were already starting to give us a little bit of those. Sorry, here kind of tiny. Um boom. Giving us a little bit of that look. A lot more shirtless uh, blade here in the comics. Shirtless blade, um, but you can kind of see him here now. He also appeared in the Spider-Man animated series, um, so this was Blade there. And then um, this is what we got. That's what we got right there. Um, also, was Blade in the animated Spider-Man series a white guy? No, he's black there. Can't tell, but um, this is his first appearance. I'll go back to the animated picture in a second, Eric. But this is Blade's first appearance. That's what he looked like. Okay. Um, no, he, he's look, look at the hair. Whoa. I know that's how you could tell. No, in no that just looks then. like some douchebag, like 80s bro. Yeah, look, we're just gonna move past that. Uh, but yeah, so this that is what is we like, got. Don't get us canceled, figure. Eric. Stop it. <laughs> it is a stock figure. I'm sorry. It is, it is, it is. Um, but they it's not they us, it's the least. cartoon that's being racist, okay? Exactly. Yes. Thank you. Yes. Just calling I'm just calling balls and strikes, folks. No, it's 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 true. It's true. It's a <laughs> fact right there. 
Um, but yeah, we got Blade there, um, smiling blades. I think they made the right decision by changing up to do the black leather. Again, this is you got your black leather here. When we get to X Men, their costumes ah. are very similar. Yeah, like this this is truly like where it's going to kind of start. This is so before we got, or after the Matrix. This, this is before. Would, is it before yeah. Matrix? Yeah. Um, so we've also got our friend um Whistler. So here's Whistler um right there. We've got um I saw the photo of pulled of Whistler apparently for you. Um anyway, here's the Whistler that we got in the movie. Um looks like he's right out of Walking Dead. And name, here's name name another movie he's from. Or another anything. Uh, yeah, I can't off know. the top of yeah, my you, head. Yeah, you gave but... me shit about it, but you can't. I was going to look up. I know he had a music minute. career with Barbara Streisand. But he's in the Doors, isn't he? What? I don't know, but he's got a musical career too. Eric, look he hung, up out, he hung out with Janis Joplin back in the day. He used to cruise. He used to be a big guy, kind of in the country rock scene. I think he was in the Doors. The he one with... been. I'm pretty sure he's in the Doors. Um, but this is Whistler from the cartoon, so a little bit different. A little bit different. This Whistler has shaved. <laughs> and then no, we go not in the doors okay i could have sworn he was in doors it doesn't matter um this <laughs> is deacon frost right here in the combo this is what we got eric see here this is what deacon frost looks like let me see you another picture of deacon frost here's deacon frost again huh. keep this in mind because here's your deacon frost in this movie tiniest thing but yeah. um, there's Deacon Frost. So they're reading these comics, and you're like, you know who could play this old, old Ethan Frost character? No, Eric. They wanted Steven to fan Frost. service young women. That's what oh, yeah, they it did. is. They did. It's so so we, that's our cast. Um, I want to point out that um, Stan Lee is not in this movie, um, and Deacon Frost is our villain. I'm going to I want to point out one other thing and I'm going to let you guys start talking about what you thought of the movie. The first thing I want to say is I've seen this movie so many times. I chose to watch this movie a different way than I've ever watched it before. I actually watched it with the commentary which I've never heard before. So that was how I chose to go through the movie this particular time because I've seen it enough. Um I know you guys watched the regular uh, version of it. So um go. What did you think of blade and it's dark opening okay i felt like we were recycling some highlander things with the high speed uh movements of camera bits um it was hilarious with tracy lloyd and, and of course the bloodbath in the club fun oh, touch there but the whole thing gets a little wonky for me because the entire storyline for the female doctor who i'm pretty sure we never fully cured um True feels weird we kill whistler or do do we because we will see can i can i jump sorry you said tracy lords while i was yes. getting the tv so in the commentary they talk about how which is the weirdest commentary um sorry um they talk about how like everyone was like oh my god it's tracy lords oh i mean if i got a shot shot that you're scintillating Tracy Lord, the remember in the scene when so she gets in there, she grabs the guy's dick. They go into the club. Um, they there's um, she's about to go through. And there's the big ass bouncer at the door. That was her boyfriend. Yeah. <laughs> the, nice. the producers, everyone's they're like, yeah, he kept us in check. 
<laughs> like you nice. knew like that's who's going home with Tracy. By the way, apparently in the in the currency of the time, Rolexes is how Blade pays for things. Also, pay for things. Also, Whistler filling up gas tank while and spilling it while lighting a cigarette was just like three, two, <laughs> one. We're not going to be safe with this at all. Yeah. Of course, we had the fun little thing from the trailer about there being a secret war. Also, yeah, the, the on the Vampire war. Council, one of the guys who had the sort of like shoulder length hair, that's Khan's mm-hmm. son from Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. Oh, wow. I recognized him. I was like, I know him. So I want to I want to jump back. Sorry, I know you're, you're, you've gone far ahead. I want to jump back to a couple of my thoughts on this movie. In the nightclub, I never thought about this until watching it in this time okay well first getting to the nightclub what you got down there little man call that my heat seeker perfect 90s right there that just that's the 90s but <laughs> i was thinking about it they're going through this the, to through the meat packing plan to get to the club why would you go to that club like it's gonna reek of dead meat and i get their vampires but still like, well, it's not. It's not gonna think, no, it's going to have a very uh, sterile smell because they keep those places like that's frozen. And, yeah. you know, what he probably thinks in his head, that this is one of those hidden clubs that you only get into exclusively. And those tend to be in like weird warehouses. Yeah. So he probably right, doesn't think right. anything of it. Now, did you catch the blowjob in the first scene? Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. Quinn getting the, the blowjob, uh, which is, again, one of those like, oh, we're going to be gritty. But then we get one of the most iconic scenes of the late 90s, early 2000s, the ra- the blood rape. Like, yeah. it is one of the most iconic film scenes, I would say, from that time period. By the way, when that guy is left on his knees in that little shower area and Blade is crawling away where the cops can't see him, you know he got pinned for all this, right? Oh, absolutely. You know they arrested him and was like, this man is a mass murderer. Absolutely. Like he was literally left there to take the fall. Yeah, but here's a question: Where's yeah. the bodies? Okay, the only the only body would have been the real body is Quinn. Is yeah. Quinn that's stuck there to the wall? Because everyone else would have turned into their little ashes when they got mm, true. Which the ash scene, the ash, anytime they use the ash effect, it's a cool effect. It doesn't necessarily hold up today. No, but it's a really cool effect. There's a couple of shots where it still works, but. For the most I don't want to go, Mr. Stark. Please don't let him. Uh, hey, yeah. yeah. I'm going to tell you something. I love the whole Nestle Snipe, I wear sunglasses at night. I was really disappointed that we didn't play that song. Just yes. to really, you know. So when his first, so what do we think of his first appearance? Like when he first makes that entrance there. Like I still think it holds up. His first appearance is really sure. good. In that The yeah, fight sequences cool. hold up very well. Yeah. Yeah. Wesley Snipe pulls off cool. So this is one of the first, the one of the interesting things that they talk about in the commentary. Um, it actually comes in a later fight sequence, but who's, it's who's relevant here. The commentary? Did you already say? Um, so the commentary is the producers Stephen Dorff and <laughs> Wesley Snipes. They talk, and I think the cinematographer might have been in there. Um, they Stephen Dorff is like B level, like Christian Slater. Can we all yes. just that? Yes, and I, I nothing against Stephen Dork. I'm, I'm sure he's doing great work, but I feel like they're like, give me, give me Christian Slater, and they're like, we can get you Stephen Dork. <laughs> we can get you this guy. <laughs> um, 
They talk about, and I, I think it's the second fight they actually mentioned it, but it's, like I said, it's relevant here. They talk about how they were filming, the, they would do the fights and they would set up and they'd do all the rehearsals and they would film all the scenes. And then Wesley would come on set and be like, no, I don't like this. I re-choreographed it myself. Let's do it. And so they would do it and they'd be like, and this is one of those like suck up moments on the commentary. Um, they would be like, we did it. And you know what? He was right. It was better. Oh, so we kept his way. Uh... But then they had to go back and refilm all the stuff leading up to it because it was different <laughs> than how it was set up. And it, that like that explains Wesley Snipes a lot in this movie. Like you're, there's lots of stories like that. I feel like that's going to explain Wesley Snipes throughout all three movies. Yes. <laughs> As you it, get to them. It is. It is. So then we get to um, Quinn is like stuck. We Blade leaves. I love Blade walking down the alley. It looks so cool. It's beautifully shot. I There's a lot of things I like about this movie in general where they shot things. The story is obviously where it falls apart and the effects. Um, yeah, I the CGI how... blood at the end, really. Yeah. Um, there's a scene. I don't I remember exactly where it's like. Oh, it's when he's in the hospital. When they're like attacking him, he's like, motherfuckers, are you out of your damn minds? Like, it's one of my favorite lines of this movie. Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> but then, so this was my, fa- this is my favorite story. My true favorite story of this movie. And, um, of the behind the scenes. So we get Quinn, he's charred and he's on there. And so the producer is telling this particular story about how um, they do the fight sequence for him running through the hospital and he like falls and he hurts himself and he hits the ground and his jaw dislocates from his mouth. And so the producer is freaking out. Like, Wait, who is this? Is this Donald Logue? Um, this is, yes. His his jaw dislocated. Yes. Oh, yes. Shit. So producer is like freaking out. Donald can't say anything to him. Um, so the producer like gets <laughs> can't him. Say shit. <laughs> keep in mind he's in full burn makeup. So they rush him to the hospital. So they get him to the hospital, and the hospital's like, oh, "Holy dear. fuck! We got this guy who's like all burned up, and he's got he's dislocated mouth." <laughs> and the producer's like, "No, no, 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 no. It's 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 okay. He's he's not really a burn victim." But they've already cleared out like the room, like because they're so like scared ready of what's happening. Sure. Yeah, ready for what else is coming through. <laughs> they um, get him with like the painkillers. They put the jaw back, do what they got to do. And Tunnel's like, "Oh, well, I mean, I, sh- I probably should have told you this. I was in a bad car accident a couple of years ago, and so if I just open my mouth too fast, it just dislocates." What? Yeah. <laughs> Donald. Yeah, so all of that. <laughs> Jesus. An accident that had happened a couple of years earlier. Uh, but it, it was my favorite thing from the commentary. Um, I recommend I, the commentary just for I that I ask one you story. guys a question? Uh-huh. No. What coast, what coast, east or west, does this movie take place in? I believe it should be east. I think west. Which is it? Because that's an interesting question, because at one point it seems like we're on the West Coast, but then we let the one vampire council league guy get burned up at sunrise on the beach. You got a point. There's some incongruity. Also, where is this Temple of Blood secretly located? Is it somewhere in the the United States? Yes. That was never specified. It's not. No, 
So what you just mentioned to the temple guy, this is the question I threw secretly to you. Actually, it was a statement I threw to you a minute ago before we started back um, after our break. Okay. So before we continue going on the movie, John, what do you think, and this is to Eric too, what do you think the general social commentary of this movie is? If you had to sum it up in like a sentence. Drugs. Don't do drugs. For what? I'm sorry? Don't, Don't do drugs. Do drugs. Eric? Oh, Quickly. man. Uh, um, corporations are bad. Democracy. I don't know. Um, okay. Yeah. Eric is closer <laughs> to what the the producers say this movie is about. And then when they told they say in the commentary, I'm like, holy fuck, you're right. The vampires are the wealthy and the rich. All they believe in is true excess and having the higher end things, living in nice cities and nice apartments and driving the nice cars. They are the ones who are clinging to power, doing everything they can to stay in power. The vampire hunters live outside of the city in the ruins of the city in the warehouses and they are the working class who once they figure out what's going on they can <laughs> rise up and take out the vampires and the vampires are always afraid of the working class figuring out that they have the power and rising up that's what producers say this movie is about and when i heard that i'm like man that makes this movie really fascinating it is the republicans <laughs> trying to stay in power and blade is the democrats trying to get them out of power <laughs> this this feels like it fell into the trap of so many 90s movies where they assumed a lot of world building had already yeah. taken place. Mm-hmm. And this made me appreciate MCU all the more and yes. the thoughtfulness that Kevin Feige has shown throughout the entirety of his tenure in saying, you know what, let's take our time. Yep. Because as much as we all hated like origin stories, and I blame mostly Spider-Man and X-Men on that, mm-hmm. as much as we all hated origin stories we were served very well by having two or three of the like Iron Man's Thor's Captain America's really kind of established the world yeah. before we got into the Disney yeah. plus era. Yeah. You know? Now okay. the other, the other thing they mentioned in the commentary that it's relevant for this, his sword. Apparently there was a cut, an original cut of the draft of the script where the sword was going to have been given to him by Whistler. And it's the original sword that had killed Lamagra. Hmm. Um, and that was in the original draft that David Goyer wrote for Fincher. Dave Fincher was going to direct this movie, and I don't know what that would have been like. <laughs> okay. Scattered. Okay. Someone yeah. said someone said this when I was watching the screening. Someone said that this movie has the finest 1980s choreogra- choreography. And yes, I know when this movie came out. That was a line, but I want to talk about something that. <laughs> Got really weird near the end. Oh, I was hoping you were going to talk about Jabba the Hutt. Well, that's that's one thing unto itself. I'm talking about the fact that when the female doctor Karen, whatever her name, uh, I think they just call it drink from her. I like amazingly how much her blood got back to her real quickly because when yeah. he when he drinks her blood, I swear if he had stepped up and he had come in his pants, wouldn't have been shocked. Like way overly sexual, and then his mom coming back on uh, coming on to him too was like i'm like there's a shot there's a shot i think it's this movie it could be the second one but i'm pretty sure it's this one where blade he's like in a chair and he 
drinks either the potion or blood or something. I don't care. He, he drinks something and he stands up and the shot's so awkward. His leather pants look like he has a massive erection as he's standing <laughs> up. And it was the weirdest shot. Um, so speaking of all the weird sexual stuff. To, he yeah, had, weird, Wesley Snipes had a, got... a comment. Well, but that's so, but Wesley vampires Snipes... have always been that element in yeah. lore, like the sexual tension, you know? Yeah. It gets a little creepy when we get really dangerously close to, like, incestuous weird crap. I was like, okay, guys, whoa. It's an Oedipus yeah. thing. Um, Wesley Snipes talks about at one point in time that he wanted Nabuche to be cast because he's a hot man of color and she's a hot woman of color. So the audience would believe that the two of them could get together. That feels weird. Bad. <laughs> yeah. It's like horribly phrased the way he puts it. And you're like, but I think it but, might be horribly uh, intended. <laughs> yeah. By a What's lot of people's this? standards. Always. Yeah. It was very it, weird. Does it feel a little bit racist? I didn't want to go there, but it feels a little bit sexist. That, that too. too. That's it. So I'm also, you know, we had Euro Trash Blonde Girl. That's how I knew this movie was in the late nineties. The Euro Trash Blonde Vampire. They talked about her in the commentary about how um she was just a model and they yeah, just I thought bet. she looked good and they're like, you know what? Cool. You wanna be a vampire? Yeah. She like a reject from also, a Spice Girls video. The Steven Dorf, I've discovered during this commentary, he doesn't speak much in the commentary, but I discovered that He's he doesn't understand what improv is because he <laughs> keeps talking about how Donald starts. Donald will be in a scene with him and will just make things up. And it's great. Like it might make him laugh, but it just makes things up. And I, he doesn't know how he does it. He's just he just like he's ready to do a scene all of a sudden he just makes up stuff and steven doesn't know how to respond so he just lets it go and just like yeah you made this scene better by making up stuff and he just always refers to it as making up stuff you mean steven dorf has perhaps has a rigid performance <laughs> <laughs> yes i would have never known <laughs> so the 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 okay the librarian the, you know you guys have thoughts on the librarian because I have a, a funny comment that I you wrote mean about Pearl the Pearl yeah no how did Pearl take when you you saw it with other people John how did Pearl how did that happen to the see like in your audience I don't think anybody took her seriously so I don't think anybody was no one say anything there's no giggling or kind of like gross jokes, right? yeah my comment about Pearl is the librarian looks like Jabba had sex with the guy from Dune and then ate fat bastards. The Baron Harkonnen, oh, yeah. Oh. Well, you know, and ate Pizza the Hut too from Spaceballs. Yeah. <laughs> Pearl is such an, I mean, such a, it's an amazing design. Like, truly amazing, iconic design, but man, is Pearl gross. Mm. Um,. Yeah. So Udo's um, death on the beach, which goes back to your point of where this is. I think it must be New York. I think. I can or... swore, I think it's actually. I feel like it's supposed to be Detroit. There's way like too LA. much to make me think it's L.A. And then there are scenes where they're in the inner city that seems like it's New York, and then it's like it's L.A. It's New York. It's L.A. Well, the park makes me think that it's L.A. Oh, sorry, New York. But the, seeing the the way the city is makes me think it's supposed to be Detroit. But you're right with. But the he obviously drives across be. the reservoir bridges, like in, in San Andreas, and we know that's in L.A. 
Yeah. When he rescues yeah. the girl. So again, yeah. doesn't know where it wants to be. Yeah, no, you break a really good point. You make a, it a was something that came point. up that lo- I asked it out loud to everybody in the audience. I said, and they said, well, it's in L.A. And I said, but what What about the guy on the beach a minute ago? And everybody's like, oh. <laughs> yeah. So the, um, the scene in the park that I just mentioned, in that part of the commentary, this is one of the few spots where you get Stephen Dorff and Wesley Snipes kind of talking. They're clearly in different rooms recording separately. <laughs> but they're talking and... Steven's talking about how he, this was his first day of filming of this of the for the movie. He had been um doing all of his lines constantly back and forth, just trying to memorize it all and rehearsing it. He, he says he did it for ten hours and he gets up there and he he's ready to film and Wesley comes out to the to the park and they film once and then Steven gets pissed because Wesley, because he's a producer. Immediately, as soon as he does the first take, he wants to go and watch the dailies, and Steven just wants to do it again so he can get it better and get it right. And Wesley comes back, and so now we cut over to Wesley's side, and Wesley's like, this was Steven's first time on here, and you know he doesn't know the character, and the director doesn't know the character yet, but I know the character. I know who Deacon oh, Frost my. is supposed to be. <laughs> so when I watched him perform... I then go to him and I tell him, you know, oh, this is how no. the character is. This is how you need to read your lines, which then <laughs> cuts back to Steven and Steven's like, and then he comes up and he gives me a line reading. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, just so you know, it is considered incredibly uh, a thoughtful and incredibly rewarding when an actor receives a note from another actor. It is it is just the glory upon glories. Yeah. I think upon the character. I think what most people don't know about this film <laughs> is that there was a time when Wesley Snipes left production and was actually working at a carnival. Um, and some people came what? to find out because he was working the shoot. Oh, wait, that was a community episode. Sorry, wrong blade. No. So they so he gives the line and then Steven gets pissed off. And Blade or Wesley Snipes is he's like, I don't care. You're gonna done the producer and do it my way. And they do the scene, and Steve the scene we see that was filmed was Steven being so pissed at Blade. That's where all the intensity comes from. Sorry, being pissed at Wesley. That's where the intensity comes from. And then Wesley Snipes talks about like, you know what? Sometimes you just gotta piss a guy off on set to get the scene right. So <laughs> Oh my goodness. I just kind of tell you how these movies are about to go uh, with how he does stuff. Is this the best of them in terms of his behavior? Yes. Oh, this no. is by far the best <laughs> of his behavior um, for sure. So then, um, yeah, then we go to this, this final, this final fight um, with, with Lamagra and the bad blood. The blood is the worst part of this movie. Yes. Um, now we saw the better ending. There's another ending. I think there's, if I remember correctly, there's three endings. There's there's a second ending you can see on the DVD, and then there's a third ending that I don't believe is out there where he goes. They wanted him to go full on, like um, they describe it as T2, the liquid metal Terminator. They wanted like a full thing like that for Lamagra. Um, but it, none of it was working well for the audiences, so we got what we got. Um, but you know, hey, the CG blood's awful. <laughs> yeah, 
That's where I'm going with that. I thought the the blood on his forehead moment where he's like gets knocked back by it is like such a moment of acting. Like yes. just just straight thick acting. Yes. <laughs> um and then we get the we get the fight, we get the explosion, we get all the stuff, and then we get the blade, like the final shot of Blade standing there. Oh, sorry. We get we get it all gets done. We get the whole Karen thing. Like, is she is she not a vampire? We assume she's fine, that so she's cured. Mm. Um, she's like, I can cure you. And then we get to um well that goes cuts the black, and then we go to Russia, I believe it is, <laughs> and we see the fight. Now, originally that was going to be Whistler as a vampire there. <laughs> um, and it was going to be Blade chasing down Whistler to kill him. Then they chose not to do it because they were like, you know, we killed Whistler. We're just going to let Whistler stay dead. But they didn't. Yes. Remember, he speaks. He speaks. They took her. Yeah. He pulled the old sheet off and he's like, uh, Mike, that's... Um, because I remember, like, oh, he's in all three movies. How well, no, but possible. no, but remember, he until he takes off the sheet, they took her, they took her, and then Wesley gives him the gun. And he's like, "I'll kill myself," and Wesley walks away, and you hear the gunshot. Mm. Yes, that's this movie. I don't know that I heard the gunshot. Yeah, you hear the gunshot as he's walking away. There is but a gunshot. That, that's that, that's an assumption, though. Still, it is, but the audience. How did they explain it in Blade Two? You're going to have to tell us. So as we, <laughs> um, then it cuts to the commentary, and this is where the commentary gets a little bit weird with the director. Everyone starts talking shit about the director during the credits of this movie. So the this director was the Gump in um, Oz, uh, Return to Oz. He was a special effects man. The he Gump. then comes he just he gets this thing to be a director and the producer talks about like one of the first times he sees him he like meets steven norrington and steven's like oh that tattoo like oh everyone thinks real men get tattoos and then he kind of like leaves the story there and then the next time the producer sees him steven's now got a piercing in his lip like right below his lip one like little studs and he's like see this this is what real men do and they say he goes like this is this that describes Stephen like to a T how Stephen is, and everyone talks about how weird Stephen is, and how much of a pain in the ass he is, and then he cuts to like Wesley Snipes being like, yeah, Stephen the director, he's off his rocker, but he's great. <laughs> <laughs> it's very strange commentary. The other the other thing about the commentary that's weird is every time someone's going to come in it'll be like um so if it was the three of us doing the commentary you would hear and this is jonathan evans then you would do your commentary and then it'd be like and now casey franklin (laughs) every time the whole fucking movie and this is wesley snipes it's a very (laughs) strange commentary to listen to so um, final some final thoughts on Blade that you guys might have. It was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. Um, yeah. good action. I think we we kind of said that already. You know, had had good action in that sense. Storyline it it clearly left itself open for a sequel. Um, 
I did not realize it did that well. It, it just did not seem... I I wish I could go back and think of all the other movies around this that were similar and see like oh how did they do like because this just feels like generic action movie with Marvel stamped somewhere on it yeah like it could have been any any vampire movie barely stamped on it too barely yeah, a lot of people barely. didn't even know it was Marvel the very think, generic it, was... it feels like it's of its time like mm. it's a very end of the nineties movie. Is yeah. what it is. There's not a lot of Gen universality or very much that much appealing to it unless you happen to be a fan of sort of science fiction, weird, supernatural 1990s. It feels like it's part of a trend in the late 90s. Yep. You know, a lot of leather, a lot of dark scenes. Somebody's trying to recreate the special effects from Highlander in the 80s, you know? Yep. All right. Let's move on to Blade 2 <laughs> and Blade 3 subsequently. All right. So Blade 2 2002, um, also New Line. It is um, an hour and 57 minutes versus being two hours. Um, it's a comic book, not an origin story. Guillermo del Toro directed this. David We're Goyer um, wrote it. And Marco Beltram um, was the composer. Wesley Snipes is back as Blade. Chris Christopherson is back as Whistler. What? <gasps> Spoiler! <laughs> Ron Perlman plays Reinhardt. Uh, Leonor Valera um, is Nissa. Norman Reedus from Walking Dead, very young Norman Reedus, oh plays Scud. Matt Schultz from Fast and the Furious fame <laughs> plays Chupa. And Star Wars, um, or um, John Wick star Donnie Yen plays Snowman. Um, they it doesn't look like the original Blade in the costumes, but you know what, Blade this becomes the Blade look. Um, Stan's not in it. The villain is some Reapers. So here's a little bit of stuff for you guys to see. So this is what Blade looked like in this time period. So you can see they heavily went towards the Wesley Snipes mm -hmm. after um that movie. Um, another shot is very much um there. So what we do have here is um we get our Blade. Um, here's Ron Perlman in this. This is actually one of the best scenes in the whole movie. Um, is that particular image? Um, Blade has got some color to him this time, and what I mean by that is he was in all black in the last movie. This time, the lining of his jacket is now red, so it's got a little <laughs> bit of pop of color to him. Um, this is our friend Donnie Yen right here. Um, this might be one of his first English movies, maybe. Um, and then we get our villain, the Reaper. Um, so that's what he looks like, normal. And this is that? what he. Um, I don't know. It wasn't like a famous actor, so I didn't write it down. I'm very sorry. Um, but this is how he turns into when he opens up his mouth and does all that. So there's another shot of of the Reaper. So right off the bat, I'm just gonna say when I first watched the movie, I hated this so much. It pissed me off so much. I was furious when I walked out of the movie theater. I thought this was one of the worst movies I'd ever seen. Really? I hated the vampire designs. Yes, I truly hated it. Then a couple of years ago, there's a show called The Strain, and the vampires look like this. It was a Guillermo show. I believe he um, produced it, and it was an idea of his uh, based off of a comic. Um, and they did this design, and it worked in that world. So I think because of that, I can accept this better. 
and I don't hate it as much. <laughs> um, so I just want to throw that out there. Okay. So we got blade. Um, we get the creepy music. It starts off in in Prague. Um, we see this guy going in to do like a, to sell his blood. Who's this guy? The vampires wear these weird, like Freddy Krueger gloves to get the blood out of you. And then, um, we see that he starts to be kind of like the strain where the, the mouth opens up that way. Um, all of a sudden Whistler's back and I'm like, wait a minute, didn't Whistler die? What's going on? Wait a minute, Blade's hunting him. So we find out Whistler actually became a vampire. Oh, and did. the vampires were like torturing him and keeping him alive for, I think it's three years, um, to just like experiment on him and just be dicks because they're vampires. So Blade gets him and Blade brings him back to his house and he injects him with a like the serum stuff and he puts him in a room and he's like all right you're gonna go you're gonna go cold turkey and one of two things is it gonna happen either you're going to be cured or i'm gonna open up these blinds in the morning and the sun's gonna come in and fry you no matter what happens the sun's gonna come through those windows because those blinds are on a timer good luck and so next morning happens Whistler's perfectly fine. Bada bing, bada boom, done. We've wiped out that storyline that we didn't need. Then the vampires come in, and it's this awful. This is another thing that I hate about the movie. It's awful um, CG bodies. Um, I, I bitched about this when we watched, or when I watched Daredevil, um, but it's the same basic idea. Um, they come into this fight. The villains make me think of the Talon from um, Court of Owls. Um, then we go to this weird scene where the vampires are like, Hey, man, the, we had a, like someone evolved and now they're hunting us and they want to kill us and they bite us. And then they turn us into them. And Oh my God, you got to help us. And blades like, you want me to help you take out your own enemy? He's like, yeah, yeah. I think, I think you should do it. <laughs> and blade looks like talks to someone and looks at this guy and he's like, man, you're barely human. And the guy looks at Blade and he goes, no, sorry, no. So Blade, sorry, no, it was, sorry. Blade's talking to the guy and he sees the mark. Because remember the little tattoos. And he goes, oh, you're human. And the guy goes, barely. I'm a lawyer. Um, It's one of the best jokes in the whole movie. <sighs> I know. I know. But it's one of the best jokes in the whole movie. Um, So that's, once they start talking about that, I started thinking about what I just mentioned to you a moment ago about the comment, the social commentary of this movie, of the first movie, about it's the GOP trying to stay in power and Blade is the Democrats and they're rising up to stop them. Hey, so, save it for the political podcast. This movie is what happens if the GOP creates a monster that they can't control that starts to go out and take over their own party and create their own subsect of the party. Like Donald Trump and MAGA. And they just keep eating themselves. And once I thought that, I'm like, holy shit, this movie's brilliant. I like this movie now. <laughs> I don't hate it anymore. I mean, I don't like it, but it's better. Um, so that's what this whole movie came to me. Was um, the Reapers are MAGA. And the Vampires the GOP. Trump derangement syndrome. <laughs> Trump derangement syndrome. Um so yeah, that's basically it. So we find out that the vampires experimented on themselves. 
they made the Reapers um, just like the GOP made Trump, who made MAGA. We find out that the main Reaper was the son of the main vampire, like the leader of the vampires. So he, they did it to themselves. Reaper gets pissed, goes after them. That's basically the whole plot of this movie. The whole blade has to like work with the vampires. It's it's kind of an interesting idea, but it doesn't really go anywhere. Mm. Obviously, the the Reapers are going to turn a couple of the other people, and they're going to fight each other. That's you know is inevitable. Um, Norman Reedus is a double crosser, um, so Scud um, gets double crossed, but he does have a really fascinating um, death. I actually did like his death a lot. Um, but yeah, that's kind of it in a nutshell. Mm. It's the same thing as the first, except for instead of Lamagra, it's Maga. So that's Blade Two. Then we get to Blade Three. And Blade Three um, came out. Or sorry, Blade Trinity came out in two thousand four. Um, new line. It is an hour and fifty three minutes, so we shaved another four minutes off of it. This time, David Goyer wrote or directed it. Amy wrote it because the script was so bad. The first director didn't want to come back. Guillermo didn't want to come back. Oh no, so David Goyer. Um, Directed. I'll do it myself. <laughs> yeah. Um, Raman Dejadi um, does the music, and I can't remember what he did, but he's done some good stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, cast, we've got Wesley Snipes as Blade, Chris Christopherson back as Whistler, Dominic Purcell as Drake, Jessica Beale, not Alba, Beale, um, as Abigail Whistler, Ryan Reynolds as Hannibal King, Parker Posey as Donica Talos. John Michael Higgins from Mighty Wind as Dr. Vance. Triple H as Charco Grimwood. James Rimmer as Ray Cumberland. Natasha Leon as Summerfield. And Patton Oswalt as Hedges, along with Eric wow. Bogasani as Bentley uh, Tittle. What a cast. Yeah, like you think of the cast, you're like, wow, those are actually some good people. And then you see the movie. Um, <laughs> again, costumes, they, they do their own little thing. Um, Blade, I mean, I've shown you what Blade looked like. This is what he looks like now. So they're adding more color to him. Like his cape, his little jacket is getting more reds. Um, his outfit has a little bit more um, reds in it. He's got like a red undershirt. So they are making hmm. him yeah. a little bit different. Um, we get Hannibal King. Um, oh, here's what um, Blade looked like at this time period. Um, this is what he would have looked like. I'm in the comic books. Um, Hannibal King, we've got... Uh, oh, here's a shot of Hannibal King. So this is Hannibal King. He's a vampire in the original comic books. Keep that in mind. Keep this image in the back of your head. Hannibal King. This is Hannibal King in the movie. It is Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> but it's like he was auditioning for Deadpool. So mm-hmm. pretty good. There's some good. There's Let's some be good honest. One-liners. Every every comic movie he was in until Deadpool was an audition for Deadpool. That that is true. Um, so he even was Green Lantern, Whistler, even especially Green Lantern. Green Lantern. Um, with Taka Waititi, Green Lantern. Um, so here's Abigail. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, you forget about it. Every time, you. every time. Abigail Whistler. So I, there was an interesting little bit about this. There was a one of the TV companies put out an ad for this movie, and they accidentally put Jessica Alba. 
in it, like said that it was starring ooh, Jessica ooh, Alba and not ooh. Jessica Beale. Um, yeah, they had a small lawsuit that they had. Uh, here's Patton Oswalt. He is like the Q of the group. Um, he has like a line, like Ryan Reynolds is like, you've never been laid. And he's like, I'll have you know, I have been. And by a lady. Um, so that's one of the weird lines of this movie. Um, here's Dominique Purcell. He's playing a character named Drake. Um, but you might recognize him from yeah. Legends of Tomorrow. It's about family. Um, <laughs> they he does reference they do reference Drake as being Dracula at one point in time. So this is how Dracula is generally portrayed in the Marvel universe. <laughs> Dracula, um, standard. Well, yeah. So they went for a different path. I actually don't mind how they did it in this. Um, and then of course we get Parker Posey. Um, who's just Parker posing it up? I mean, she's just all <laughs> yeah. over the place being Parker Posey. Um, and then Triple H in his first comic, or sorry, his first movie. And man, is Triple H like, oh god, he's so bad, he's so bad. <laughs> but by the end, you're like, you're so fascinated. You're like, how did this happen? And you can't stop watching him. Uh, all of his scenes are with Parker Posey. Oh, poor Parker. Um, so. The movie goes. So this is the first Marvel, the first Blade movie that has a Marvel logo. Um, we get Ryan Reynolds doing the opening narration, and there's some cool like animation. This was the first. Um, this was the first trailer that showcased the Marvel stamp too, if I'm not mistaken. I believe it was. Yeah. Um, the vampires. They are going to bring this guy back and then they're also going to frame blade so the movie starts with this action sequence blades chasing down someone he kills them finds out they were human and then parker posey is recording it and she releases it on to the news so everyone's hunting blade so it's actually a really smart plan what they're doing um then we cut to we see abigail um, who we don't know it's Whistler's daughter yet. She has a actually a badass intro. I do appreciate her intro. Her and Ryan Reynolds like to tell people to fuck off a lot. Mm. Um, then we get to um some stuff where Blade is at his place. The cops are showing up. Whistler's there, and we watch Whistler blow the place up. And there's no doubt in your mind Whistler is dead. We watch him holding the trigger blowing it up explosions all around him whistler ain't coming back 10 minutes into the movie whistler's gone blade gets arrested ryan reynolds comes and actually gets him out of jail um before he he gets arrested the fbi does ask him how many people have you killed and he goes i have killed 1182 people that's how many people he has killed at this point in time in this movie um, Wait, can we go back to Whistler? Is are you like is he gone gone? Spoiler. He's gone gone. Gone gone. Dead dead dead. Okay. Dead dead dead. So they make sure um this is his exit from the the series. He is yes, okay. he is out of the series. He didn't um behind the scenes did not want to be in the movie anymore. <laughs> um so Whis um Blade is in the um the like the not the cell but the interrogation room. Someone comes flying through the window. And then next thing you know, here comes Ryan Reynolds stepping through. You just see a body step through and it cuts to a name tag and it says, hello, my name is fuck off. 
and it's Ryan Reynolds, and then it just becomes the Ryan Reynolds show. He gets it blade out. Um, they get out of the place. Uh, we get a little bit with some Triple H. Um, being a really bad actor in the fight sequence, we learned that Abigail likes to use a bow and arrow. So it was very much like a proto Hawkeye in a weird way. Particularly how she uses her arrows. This is also when Ryan Reynolds says Whistler for the first time. And so Blade learns that this is Whistler's daughter, but not his daughter daughter. Because we learned in the first movie that Whistler's daughter and wife were killed. Um, by vampires this is another daughter because when whistler didn't have his wife anymore and he was on the road killing vampires he just hooked up with people this is just a random girl who happened to be his daughter she um, does talk about how she met up with him and he trained her so that's how she gets some of her abilities or not abilities but her fighting um, skills Um, blade goes back with them they call themselves the night stalkers and so he teams up with them to try to stop the vampires, who the vampires at this point have brought Drake back into the world. And Drake is out to do one thing, purify the vampires and get rid of everyone who's not a true, like, pure blood vampire, essentially. He goes through. So the interesting thing in this, as all this is playing out, before we get to that final fight, we learn that Marvel Comics exist in this world. Because some, I think it's Ryan Reynolds holds up an issue of Tomb of Dracula, and it says Marvel. So Marvel Comics exist in this world. Um, the other thing that the takeaway from this movie is Ryan Reynolds' one-liners are on point, and there's a great scene when he's being tortured with Parker Posey, um, where he keeps talking about Dick a lot, and it's pretty funny. So definitely recommend that um, one scene. So that's that's kind of it. We get to the fight sequence at the end. There's a fight. It happens. Blade wins, um, and he takes out Drake. And then he drives off. So, the movie's fun. It's amusing. It's funny. Behind the scenes, though, I read that someone asked Ryan Reynolds, what was it like to work with Wesley Snipes? And Ryan goes, I never, I was never on set with Wesley. I never met him. I only met Blade. Oh, and apparently Wesley Snipes was such a dick. He would not actually talk to people on the set. He wrote you sticky notes. And that's how he communicated. Hmm. Cool. So, what a, yeah. What a fun guy. Yeah. And at one point in time, he was pissed off with the director and in a scene refuses to open his eyes. So the director, they just put CG on and like put CG eyes on his head. Said he Wait, would open his eyes. What scene is that? Is there a, a clip from that? Um, there is a clip from it. If you just um just go do while while I'm talking, just do um YouTube and look up um Wesley Snipes CG or Blade CG eyes, you'll find the clip. Um, CG, I like that. Yeah. Um. So Wesley was an awful person apparently to work with. Um. This is one of the reasons that Chris Christopherson apparently left is he didn't want to work with him. Um, anymore because of how Wesley was acting. Um, yeah, it's just so so bizarre, like all the stuff that you can read about it in this movie. But Ryan Reynolds is still good. So, hey, there's that. All right. So that's Blades in a nutshell. Um, this one's 
This one's watchable, but don't go in expecting high quality. That wasn't Just a nutshell, guys. That was a duffel bag, okay? <laughs> watch uh, watch this movie for Ryan Reynolds. So, um, John, what did you think? Oh, sorry. What did you rate Blade 1? Uh, Blade 1, okay. I ranked it with two and a half stars. Yeah. Uh, which is... makes it number four on my list. Wow. That's going to be funny. That's not second. saying much. The one below it is Howard the Duck. <laughs> Thanks, George Lucas. We forgot to mention that last week. Yeah. George uh, Lucas. All right, Eric, what did you rate Blade? I'm actually giving it a two and a half as well. Where are you putting it on yours? I don't know. I need to, I need to redo my list. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> well, Big Hero 6 is currently rocking the top oh, of my yeah, list, it's... followed by Hulk versus Wolverine, Hulk versus Thor, then Blade. At best, I'd say this is like number four or five. Okay. All right. So you guys are both kind of four. And I, I just put... watched the uh, the eyes scene. It's it's atrocious. I know, but I know. not that bad. Like it's it, not. It's not. It's not. Remove a mustache from Superman. Bad. <laughs> that this is true. I put Blade at. You guys are going to kill me, but I put Blade one at three and a half stars. I think it is a perfectly serviceable movie with some notable. CG elements and some plot points. It's not my number. It is my number four. So, excuse me. Right above it is Hulk versus Wolverine. Hulk versus Thor. Then Planet Hulk. Below it is Big Hero Six. Wow. I'm putting it above Big Hero Six for me because all the fight sequence is really cool. It's a really iconic movie, um, and. Honestly, if I'm going to go back and just put something on to watch, I'm probably just going to put on Blade because I don't have to fully pay attention. I can just listen to it. The music's good. Something I can have on the background. So that is that is my logic. You guys can come at me. Not reels at gmail.com. Come at me. Bro. Big Hero 6 is way better. Way better. And and just as easy to have on in the background. Way better fight scenes, too. Well, I, I'm, I'm, putting, I'm, putting, uh, I'm putting Blade right above it. Not like far above it, Eric. We're talking about one point. All right. Um, my Blade 2, two and a half stars. Ooh. I'm putting it at 18 on my list. So above it is Spider-Man Strikes Back. <laughs> and below it is Trial of the Incredible Hulk. Ooh. Um, but 18 is a big improvement from where it used to be. So <laughs> I appreciate this movie a little bit more. Huh. Um, Blade Trinity, two and a half stars. I'm putting it at number 17. So right below Spider-Man Strikes Back, right above Blade 2. That's where it sits now. So that is that is the Blades. So next week, next week on Off the Reels, we are going to be doing, well, I will be doing The Punisher. Punisher Warzone, we will all do which is available on Peacock. Both of them are actually on Peacock. Um, Ghost Rider. Were these cinematic releases? Yep. All these are cinematic. Thomas Jane is Punisher. Um, What's his name? The the guy. um, I have the copy here. Uh, It's Ray. I think Ray Winston. Thinks his name. What the hell is it here? Um, Wow. They had to keep it hidden in here. Uh, No, Ray Stevenson. Ray Stevenson is Punisher. Um, It's got Mm -hmm. Dominique West in it. Also, um, so that one's the, and then, um, Ghost Rider, Ghost Rider, Spirit of Vengeance. Those will be the other two I will be watching. 
So it's going to be an interesting Marvel Knights horror-ish um, or adult-oriented week. So that's what we got for next week, folks. It's going to be exciting. I cannot wait. You guys have not seen Warzone, though, right? I haven't seen I have any. not. I don't know if I've seen any of the ones from next week. Let me I back. saw Punisher, the first one. Punisher's actually not bad. Um, Thomas Jane makes a really good Punisher. All right, so that is next week. So stay no, I've tuned. Never seen any of those. I've never seen uh, any of those. Wow, that is just nuts to me that you haven't seen any. The Ghostwriter is um, what's his name, right? Nick, Nick Cage. Cage. Yeah, Nick Cage. If you're gonna watch one of the, if you were gonna do one of the Ghostwriters, watch Spirit of Vengeance. Oh yeah, better. It is better because it's um a much fast, much tighter story. Hmm. It's sure. like start. It's like simple. Do X, Y, and Z and get through it. Where's it at? Where where can you find it? Um, you can find it at um, iTunes. So <laughs> buy or rent. <laughs> as far as I know, it's not on. When I looked up to make the list, it was not on a streaming service to watch. Gotcha. It could have been added since then. I did this list like two I think months Blade ago. Was Blade was added? Yeah. So you HBO. you you might be able or to Max, find it. depending on when you're listening to this. Yeah. So <laughs> if you can find it, Spirit of Vengeance is the better of the two. But Ghost Rider, Ghost Rider's got its own charms. Um, barely all right so um let's do some very fast recommendations recommendations eric i think you were up first oh man um rrr i finally watched it um and it was everything i wanted it to be um it was a lot of fun it was surprisingly fast paced for a three-hour movie um and i highly recommend it to everyone i i would love to see more films in this sort of nature of just fun and happy it it do not go in. I, I will say this, the story was clearly not to me of Oscar quality um, in the same way that like some of the other best picture contenders were. So I can understand why I didn't go for best picture, uh, but it totally deserves uh, whatever it did win in terms of, I know music um, that dance sequence for uh not to not to not is. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 guy it's worth every bit of watch and go in having fun go in planning for it to be fun because you will love every minute of it then because it is incredibly over the top and that's exactly what it's meant to be perfect and that was 58 seconds good job nice. all right john i can't see the timer i know sorry john whenever you're ready all right i'm going to recommend a show that's coming back from youtube there's a channel called watcher that i'm a big fan of a lot of their work they do a lot of great shows but i want to pitch a specific show of theirs that's returning this friday called too many spirits it comes out in four episodes but they filmed them all at the same time and for each episode they drink more so they read listener submission stories spooky stories weird stories supernatural stories and they drink so for the first episode they're pretty sober by the by week four you're seeing them at the end of the night and they get pretty shit-faced and it's very funny the general channel watcher on youtube is great but this friday they're bringing back one of their series too many spirits and it's just wonderful i can't recommend it enough they do puppet history and a whole bunch of other things that are absolutely hilarious and worth your time and free nice i love it I am going to recommend Super Mario Bros. Um, I went and watched it last week, and I enjoyed it so much. Oh, my God. It was so much fun. It was exactly what I wanted. It's a tight 90. Do not go in expecting brilliance. This is not like War and Peace. 
it just go in expecting Mario Brothers. And then when you come out of it, if you complain about like the plot, just remember the plot of the original game was really simple. It was just go to the castle. She's not here. Go to the next castle. Go to the next castle. That was the whole plot of the movie or the, the, the video game. The movie is really good. Highly recommend it. It's fun. The voice cast is amazing. The song, oh my God, Peaches. If you could hear my child sing Peaches, it's the most adorable thing in the whole world. Highly recommend um, Super Mario Brothers. Go see it. It's a lot of fun. And then I'm going to also take a second to, to throw in an honorable mention of Last of Us because I finally finished it and it's a really good video game adaptation and I highly recommend that TV show. Boo this man for his two. <laughs> I control the clock. I can do what I want. <laughs> uh, hey, I kept it really tight though. A minute and three seconds to do two. That's pretty impressive. I All will right. say like, oh, uh, no, yeah, yeah, go, go, on, go on. No, no, no. I, I, I want to see that um, a lot. Mario or Last of Us? You should see both. Mario, like because uh, Mario seems like an interesting like, and I also appreciate that it's a tight ninety. Can we just get more ninety minute movies? Like people, like if you're gonna do a fan service movie, which I assume Mario is in, in its entirety, um, then it should be a tight ninety. It's it is a movie that once it starts, it is just going. It's like Mad Max, like the Mad Max Fury Road, where it's like once that movie starts, you're on that journey. And this movie's like, all right cool we got a problem we got to solve it let's go and then when it's like here's the next step you got to do we don't need that exposition it's just boom go and it's, how's it's, famous plumber uh american he's good you don't even think about plumber. it nice you know actually the only voice you'll actually think about is uh cranky kong that's the only one that you'll kind of think about when you see it but um seth rogan is really good as donkey kong all right so let us do the final thing for this week, which is our homework. Um, oh, shit. Our homework this week um, was I needed to rank the top 10 best representation in the MCU. So I did that. Um, and I enjoyed this list. So my number 10 of top 10 um, representation characters in the MCU. Number 10 is Kingo from Eternals. Um, I love this character. I love Kamal. Um, and so, you know, I thought it was cool. And um, we should have more people in rocking this type of purple outfit. Yeah. I chose Good one. There. My number nine. So bear with me because I tried really hard to not do anyone that could be like, you know, cis white male. Um, so this one could, depending on how you want to look at it, it could be not diverse, but. My number nine is Moon Knight. And, you know, this is the only Jewish superhero that MCU has right now. And I think that's really important for representation. He's crazy, but um, I think this is a really important. He's also a good representation of mental health. Yes. And, you know, depictions of mental illness is very interesting. So, yeah, I I agree. I count. Yeah. I mean, and the rest of the cast, you have you have a lot of actual egyptian actors in this cast so i think the whole show in general um does a good job um number eight is captain marvel um you know captain marvel was great and come at me bros if you have a problem (laughs) not youtube but i mean like the internet bros um number seven um sam wilson Wilson, um and i know you could be like you should have sam higher i think i got better choices higher up um, but Sam is really good. Um, my number, my 11 actually is Nick Fury. I actually almost had Nick Fury as a 10. I, re- mm. I came really close. Mm. Um, my number six is She-Hulk. 
Um, okay. I thought She-Hulk was was great. Um, and then, Agreed. Um, and uh, we got a female-led superhero show where she's also a lawyer and stuff. So um, I thought it was good. Eric, who's your number five? Uh, my number five is actually bringing up one of yours a little bit higher to uh, Sam Wilson nice. uh, or the Falcon or Captain America, however you want to refer to him now. Um, and I have him at five instead of higher. Uh, I do think he's an important character. And I, I, I would say that I, I enjoyed him the most mm-hmm. in Falcon and winter soldier. And that is what really helped him get on the list in my opinion, yeah. uh, or at least my top five, uh, because that's, that really kind of, I think set up so much more of an arc for him and really kind of helped bring forward a lot of his story and a lot of his representation uh, and, and what his story could mean. Um, and so, yeah, I just thought that was pretty cool. Plus, I just, plus I love his outfit as, as Captain America. He's, yeah, he's, it looks he's good. Awesome this is a great shot. I, sh- I just realized I should have put Isaiah on mine. Isaiah. Oh, really, yeah. Really good. Isaiah is so good. He he is a better yeah he he is good representation I guess in MCU diversity but he's better as, as kind of like a representation of of something else. Yeah. Almost. I think Isaiah would have to be like my number twelve probably. So I say it's good. Okay, John, who's your number? I'd five? like to see them explore more of Isaiah. That's what I'm saying. Same, John. Your number five is Nick Fury. Nice, nice. Just because I like the fact that they went with that interpretation of him. Based on his depiction, the base is the ultimate, the whole round of how, you know, Brian Hitch was inspired by Nick, by Samuel L. Jackson to make his Nick Fury. And then that was how that, how that rolled into the MCU. I like all that. Yeah. He was the second person I, as, cause I don't put him in order as I think of the 10. I just think mm-hmm. of off the top of my head who I don't want. No, I don't think um, of, I put Nick, him in order after I get him. you know? Yeah. My number one was the first person I thought of. Um, but Nick Fury was actually the second person I put down on my list before I put him in an order. Gotcha. Um, my number five is Wongers. Oh, Wong. yeah. Wong. Love Wong so much. Uh, there's not much else I could say except for I ship Wong and Madison. Um, <laughs> but not where you're thinking. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I won't like that. Him, him lately is like the best of Wong, yeah. in my opinion. Like he's blooming even for character. Yes, definitely. I'd I'd love to see him brought in more and more. I can't wait till we watch Doctor Strange. Like when we get to Doctor Strange and we see like Proto Wong, and we're like, mm. man, you are going to be so Come different more. in four movies. <laughs> All right, Eric, who's your number four? Uh, number four for me is Killmonger. Um, actually, I I think that he's an very understandable empathetic um villain mm-hmm. you know he is perhaps one of the first times i feel like the mcu really took the time to say hey let's make our villain confuse our audience yeah. right in terms of like not confuse our audience but i guess make them think a little bit deeper about challenges you he's a challenging actions. character yeah. he's very much challenging i i am sad also, uh, because I think it's a it's a waste of Mike Michael C. Um, Michael B. Jordan, sorry. Um, and I not that it's a waste of him. He he knocked it out the park, in my opinion. He does a great job. In the I movie. would like to see more. I would have uh, liked to have seen more. Who's to say I, we can't? But I'm yeah, what know. I'm sad about. What I'm sad about is that I say it's a waste because like he's gone now. Like he can't play a different character that could be more recurring. Arguably, they could bring back Killmonger. I get 
multiverse. Comics, I get how comics work. Well, yeah, not, well, not just bring him back, but I mean, multiverse. You could just have him. Sure. Be back. I mean, he's in What If, and he's obviously yeah. kind of having his own What If arc there. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, totally. But uh, yeah, it was it was a great representation. It was a great, um, just a great character and great great villain. I agree. John, who's your number four? My number four is Maria Rambo, and I chose her over Monica because mm. I liked her representation both as the pilot. And when she came into that alternate universe in Doctor Strange 2, being that she was Captain Marvel. Yeah. That was because that's why I chose her over Monica, was that double role element that I really liked. And we get to see her as a mom, too. Yeah, I know. She get a triple role there. Mm-hmm. True. My number four is, survey says, Shuri. Uh, uh, I love Shuri. Like, Shuri's got to be on my list. Let's just be honest. <laughs> I, I really love um this character um she's one of my favorite mcu characters um so hey sure he's great hmm. eric what's your number three number three for me is uh shang chi yeah nice. shang chi's great um as a movie in general it's a it's one of the better movies of of phase what was it four, four. Guess, yeah. um it, probably one of the best if not the best movie of, of phase four um but just a lot of fun, a great introduction of a of a new character in in terms of a kind of movie in that way. Great world building. I know I, I brought that up a lot. That'll be my recurring theme, I guess, for the this podcast. Uh, but it really kind of established a lot, and I think like it's going to be one of those movies that you know a few years from now we're going to look back as like really instrumental in creating the modern Marvel universe as we'll know it then. In my old list, before I'm re-ranking them as we watch them, um, mm-hmm. this movie is my fifth favorite movie. I'm super excited to watch it again, for sure. I'm, I'm, I mean, I, I may watch it again before then, just to to make sure I'm really up on it. But it was a lot of fun. I loved. It. I mean, if if we want to get really technical, it's my third favorite because I have TV shows on that list, and so I have two TV shows above it. But this yeah. is also a movie I think holds up on its own completely. Oh, 100%. Which is, yeah, which it is does. hard to say at this point in the MCU that it doesn't need to rely on any other MCU, you know, property. It's also has an amazing villain. It's one of my favorite yeah, villains. Yeah. Um, but anyway, we'll get into that when we talk about this movie <laughs> in several weeks. Um, John, who is your number three? It'll be familiar to you. Oh, are you in the same boat? Whoa. Yeah. Oh, I, I love. Kumal Johnny. I love him. He is an actor and is a comedian. I, I will watch anything he's in. He Agreed. can do funny. He can do goofy. He can do deadpan. Mm-hmm. I love his comedy range, too. Yeah. He can do muscles, which isn't fair. Uh, but <laughs> particularly for this one, which is what he did. Yeah. He bulked up for this role. I like to listen to the interviews where he talks about it, too. He's like, man, you don't realize how much it sucks. Yeah, he's like, I hate it. <laughs> Uh, my number three is Jessica Jones. Mm. Another one of my favorite MCU characters. I love Jessica Jones so much. Just give me, just inject Jessica Jones into my veins and I'll be happy. <laughs> um, and her show was so good. At least the first season. I need to watch season first three. Season's great. Um, first season's so good. Well, you got a lot of levels there. Not only do you have a female character, but you've got PTSD and trauma, manipulation. Yeah. All There's kinds of so things much. on there. Yeah. Um, Eric, what is your number? Or sorry, who is your number two? Number two for me is um Okoye. Okoye. Um, and I would say that she really got up here after uh, Wakanda Forever. 
Um, she was great in the first movie for sure, uh, uh, arguably and, and obviously. But like the second movie is where she got to explore a character arc a little mm-hmm. bit more. Yeah, um, and really showed kind of her intention and her her just goodness, her, yeah. her general just uh, as a good person and as a good hero that she is one of those rare heroes that we have i think in the mcu where there's really nothing behind her besides her own skills her own intuition her own abilities as just a human um you know and i think that that should be celebrated based on how badass she is with all that um shoving the the spear through the car and using it as a stabilizer come on i mean come on yeah (laughs) i i love watching her fight like she's she's an awesome the choreography that they give her in her fight scenes is some of the best yeah the the emotional scene at the in the second movie when Mm -hmm. um the queen is ripping her a new one Mm -hmm. oh my god God. both of them together that's such an amazing scene that I still, I still, well. Yeah. John, what is your number two? <laughs> MJ Zendaya. I almost, I almost, I almost picked, picked MJ. I love her. I, I love that too. take on the character. I like her just in general as an actress and most of the things she's in, but I really like her in that part because I feel like she contrasts so well off Tom Holland. Yeah. Just the way that she contrasts against the character and that sort of sarcasm of being a teenager kind of vibe she gives. Yep. I like it. I expect they'll be married this year. Yeah, she youngs up the 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 kids a lot. Her yeah. and her and the friend. Because otherwise Tom Holland is very mature. Yeah. My number my number two is Shang Chi. Yes. Told you I really like Shang Chi and yeah. what Eric said before, I can't I can't do anything, um, say anything else other than um, this outfit. I also really like the outfit a lot. He does have um, a really cool outfit. He does. Fitz has this outfit, by the way. Um, it's oh, his. By uh, the way, I want to make a sleep I want to make a quick thing. note. Um, the gentleman, uh, one of the gentlemen who is with the Watcher Channel and is the guy who does their bartending, Stephen Lim. In real life, that's his roommate. That actor was one that's of his awesome. roommates in real life. That's awesome. I know there's a little fun I, connection there. In fact, I think he has a guest cameo in Shang Chi. I don't remember exactly, but I think he has a cameo in that movie because of their connection. Nice. I'd like to point out he's also Ken in Barbie. So, I know he's a yeah. Ken. All right, um, Eric. Moment of truth. Who's your number one? I mean, is there anyone else besides Kamala? Kamala. Kamala Khan. Eric, you're you're silent. I think you muted yourself. <laughs> you got that excited. Um he just slammed the desk and was like, ah! he did. I think he was saying that this Oh, is I think he favorite. yanked his mic out. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. Oh no. no I, guess I just plugged it back in. Can you hear me now? Yeah, now we yeah. hear you. What were all you right, gonna so- say? It's come on, gone, Miss Marvel. This should all stay in. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. It's 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 comedy gold. No, it's it's comedy gold. It's Kamala Khan, Miss Marvel. I, yeah. There's no other choice in my opinion. She's been she is an invigorating personality. She is a lot of fun. She adds vibrant. She she is and she adds wonder. She is that same sort of personality that we saw out of Flash initially. I, I yeah, think I've she's like she's, she's she's us. 
She's the, the yeah, joy. Iman Vellani plays her so well. She's like us. Yeah, she's there. a joy wheel experience as we yeah, watch Marvel. She's movies. that pure joy. I mean, even just seeing her in the trailer for the Marvels, I love what she oh brings. My God. Yeah. The energy, she's... you're right. The energy she brings to that character is just and we so good. Because so much of Marvel is is doom and gloom, especially coming out of Endgame. For her to appear in the the universe was mm-hmm. really what we needed to bring us to realize, like, oh yeah, comics are fun. Yeah, like it's not just about like epic battles. <laughs> yeah. John and her and her series is great. Sorry, sorry, yes. sorry. No, you're fine, John. Who is your number one? Could be kind of familiar. It's Miss Marvel. Oh, 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 oh. yeah. yeah like I said, right. I I love her. Wow. I love the actress. I love her the part. I love that character. I just think it and and I love the representation of getting to see the history of Pakistan and India that we've incorporated into the show and the divisions and about being a Muslim in America. Yeah. I was like gonna say all these that rich Muslims diversity that's just scared. Great to see uh, uh, it. I was gonna say it's also showing that Muslims aren't something to be scared of. Yeah, mm-hmm. like, I mean it's very humanizing. As, yeah, these are real just people, as loving as everyone else. Exactly, her costume is one of the best. Yeah. Also, the um, her Iman is awesome. That guy is fantastic as a character, and oh, her whole family, family, yeah, the whole family, her brother, her sister-in-law, the whole bit, her, her mother, whole family even is so her mother, so like, we don't know that family. Yeah, we don't know that family. I think my, her dad so, might be my, one of my favorites, though. Her dad is just yes, he's yes. so earnest. He's so he tries so hard. He's such a dad. <laughs> yeah. So my number one is going to come to a shock to everyone because I changed it on the fly. It is. Again, <laughs> 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 yeah, this was the first person I picked up. As soon as you said this, I was like, "Oh, come on, hundred percent." Yeah, I love I love her character. I. I just you guys put it so perfectly. Her show is so great. It's so it's a wonderful just love of Muslim culture and young um culture, Pakistani culture, just everything in general. It's just a love letter um to it all. And I love this show so much. I watched this show with just the biggest smile on my face. A lot of identification. It's a lot of there's a lot of great ideas about what it is to forge that identification of being American and Pakistani and Muslim, about how someone coming of age merges those identities too. Yeah. It's yeah. oh it's oh sorry. It's it, it's so good. I can't I can't recommend this show enough. It it is on my other list i'll be curious to see if it changes but probably won't it is my favorite of the marvel tv shows um it is right up there high on my list um so i'm i love this show so much i cannot say enough good stuff about it. if you have not seen the show i think you should see it and this is the only time i think that we've actually had where all three of us agreed on something and we've on any number certainly not agreed on number one the first um but yeah this is this is such an amazing character, and I, I I love her so much. So, and what's amazing is that as I'm looking at our list, we have a few overlaps, but we cover a lot of characters here. Yeah, a lot of really yeah. good characters, great characters, and a lot of representation all around, not just with um, different faiths um, and genders um, and races. Um, we're we're all over the place, and it, it's great. So I love it. Um, so. Ladies and gentlemen, that was episode 52 of the Not 
funny guys. Off you know, Eric has to recommend something. Don't jump to the yeah, end. Yeah, I was about to say. I was about to say. Eric's got to make a recommendation for next week. What's our no, next top ten? What's our next top ten? Do it. All right. All right. What's the next top ten? <laughs> Wait, did you want to steal it? Because you have no, no, no. The first what, one. No. What's the top ten? What's got? Next top ten. I'm gonna say top ten directors of the MC. Well, of any Marvel property. But it does have to be like a film, a TV show, director video, whatever. But director. Okay. So and then, director... and then the, the film, TV show episode, right? That they they directed. Okay. So it just needs to be director of mm-hmm. something. Does it have to be MCU or just Marvel? It has property. to be Marvel. So okay. it could be it could be any of like the the whole you know movies yeah, you like be, so much. It could be Angley. <laughs> it could be Angley. It it's could be not going to be Angley. It could be Emil <laughs> Del Toro. Definitely not going to be him either. Not not for <laughs> sorry, not for this category. If we were talking about directors in general, so it'll maybe. likely be Brian Singer. It'll likely be the MCU. It'll probably be. Um, it'll probably be. But uh, yeah, MCU. director and their film, which means a director can appear multiple times with multiple films. I'm going to veto that one. I think oh. you can't do that. I don't think because oh. you could easily do the Russo brothers for like four films. Okay, okay, okay. I'll let so you veto I'm, it. I'm going to so veto you only get, that one. You only get one. If you pick one, you have to pick their best film. All right. All right. Or best whatever. You have to pick the best of it. So if you chose Brian Singer, you'd have to pick X2. Or Days of Future Past, one of them. Definitely Days of Future Past over X2. Um, I want to say, though, you can do, let's say you really liked the music of Doctor Strange so much, Eric. You could have the 70s Doctor Strange movie. Be high up on your list because it is what you think. Like you're oh, picking sure. why it's there. Oh sure, so, yeah, yeah. No, it's it's. it's this it's, is not saying that you think that it's that purely movie, opinion. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't it's mean that movie is that high up. Personal but, preference. That's yeah. what it is. Um, so no, I I think that's a good one. Something different. So, something different. It is something different, and just like something different. Did this I, was episode fifty-two. Did I? Yes. Did I steal you? Were you gonna? Were you gonna do? The no, I wasn't. Gonna say, I for, I'll be honest. I forgot about it. No. <laughs> I was watching. I was watching the clock. <laughs> All right, sorry. Uh, so anyway, this is episode fifty-two of the Off the Reels podcast. You can write in at notfunnyguys.offthereels at gmail dot com. Give us some questions, comments, thoughts. Recommend a top ten if you really want to. Yeah. Uh, maybe we'll do it. Um, you can find us all over the place, but. For me, you can find me on Twitter at Vash underscore Maxwell. At Letterboxd, you can find me at Vash Maxwell, one word. Hive, you can find me at Casey Franklin. And um, I'm not giving you my LinkedIn. <laughs> but you could probably figure it out if you really wanted to. <laughs> John, where can they find you? You can find me over on the Instagram at esoteric underscore by underscore design. Uh, the Tweetsters, I'm still there despite Elon Musk's efforts. Uh, at arching with a PhD, all one word. I'm over at Letterbox as esoteric underscore Evans. You can also find me on PlayStation Network that way if you're really, really that desperate and I happen to be on. All right, Eric, um, where can they find you? Ooh, I'm going to steal some of that, actually. I like that. Uh, you can find <laughs> me on uh, on Letterboxd. You can find me in North Virginia. You can find me on Fortnite on any good uh, good moment. and uh, And you can find me on LinkedIn if you can find me. If they wanted to find you on Letterbox, how would they find you? My name on Letterbox is Eckley, E-K-L-Y. Thank you, sir. Thank you. 
And thank you, Mr. Sorry. Evans. Dr. Sorry, we're not doing it correctly. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can't find you by your name because I tried that earlier. Uh, you have to go by the other. Shh, it was supposed to be that way. <laughs> <laughs> thank you both, as always. I know this was a long one. This was a meaty one, but this was a crazy, crazy news heavy week. And I don't think That's we're going to have I don't think we're going to have that probably again until San Diego Comic Con. And at that point, we might do a breakout special episode just for San Diego, because that's going to be crazy heavy. Um, so thank you all for sticking with us for this very long episode. Thank you for sticking with us for that wonderful conversation on what is fan service um, that we will touch back on in the future. And let As us always, you guys, please write us. Absolutely. Subscribe. Write us, please Subs- hit the subscribe. And if you don't like us, recommend us to your enemies. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> If you need something to go to sleep by, put this on. My dulcet tones will help you fall asleep. Maybe. Next time on Casey's (laughs) ASMR videos. (laughs) Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, and have a good night. See you next week. Good night, everyone. Later.